What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Cooldown Time Game of the Year Awards. This is a two-part special where we deliberate and decide the winners of 12 categories to celebrate the best and bootiest games of 2022. I'm your graphically impressive host, Marco, and joining me as always is the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Pablo, are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, Long awaited. Everything we've done throughout the years building to this moment Mm. where we talk about some of the best video games, some of the worst video games, some of the meh video games. Yep. Yep. But video games indeed. Yeah. This is our uh, this is our Super Bowl of the podcast, our WrestleMania, if you will. Uh, So this has been one that we've been looking forward to all year long. We have quite a list, Pablo, of games to talk about. We have quite a list of categories that we put them in. So it's only right that we kind of give uh, our listeners an overview of what to expect uh, in this year's two-part Game of the Year special. Uh, In this particular episode of Part 1, we're going to be covering 11 different categories, uh, which is going to be a lot, but we're going to work our way through them. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read off the list of categories here. I know this is when Pablo's going to go in and edit that bullshit-ass music whenever I read anything off. (laughs) The elevator music, I know you're going to do it. Probably going to put some dumbass reverb on it, too. I know he's going to jot it down as a note. Make sure. Um, All right, so here here are the list of categories that we're going to be handing out uh, awards to in this particular episode. They are Best Visuals Slash Art Style, Best Sound, Best Multiplayer, Best Moment or Sequence, Character of the Year, Best Story, Middest Game of the Year, Booty Juice of the Year, <laughs> The Anything Goes Award, Biggest Disappointment, Biggest Surprise, and that is our list that we're going to be covering. Now, each category. We're going to be narrowing down a a, a pretty hefty list of games down to one winner and one runner-up only. So we're not going to have some list of three, four, or five things. We're We're going to be pretty cutthroat about it. And pick one winner and one second place uh, trophy winner, if you will. Um, Now, a few things to kind of go over before we kick this all off, right? I think it's important to say, as with any game of the year, deliberations, or lists of any sort, it's important that you guys know that our opinions are going to differ than yours. There are going to be some games that we're going to lobby for that you're just not going to like. There's going to be some games we're not going to lobby for that's going to make you want to scream at us. Uh, through uh, whatever speakers you're listening to us from, um, just just know that you know th- this is a, a culmination of of me and Pablo's tastes and games, and sometimes they're not going to be the same as what you think uh, is a top game or top anything. Uh, so keep that in mind. And also, while we're talking about you know this subject, another thing we want to specify is that as we make cuts in these categories. 
not every cut's going to be super ceremonious. We're not going to have a farewell speech for every game we cut. Um, we do have quite a list of things we have to make cuts for. So in the interest of time and not keeping you here for seven hours, uh, some cuts are going to come quicker than others. It doesn't mean that we don't uh, like or appreciate those games, uh, if, it is a, if it's a positive award at least. Uh, it just means we got to keep the show rolling. And last but not least, if you are concerned about spoilers, we will warn you when we are going to get to a spoiler-sensitive uh, uh, you know, category for the show. We'll do our best to not get too out there, but when the situation calls for sharing spoilers, especially with like a best moment, best sequence type of thing... Um, there is only but so much we can do. So um, we'll try to let you know, and that way you can kind of scrub ahead also, and catch back up with us for another segment. Um, what else you got, Pablo? Also, yeah, there'll be some out-of-context spoilers to where I'll, I'll say a name of something, and you if you've never played the game, you won't know what that is. Right. But... Um, so I don't know if I'm gonna how good we'll be with that. Like, oh, spoilers for if I say something about a game, like a, an yeah. area of a game that you haven't been to yet. So I don't know how good we'll be on that. All but we can do is our best, it, it, <laughs> you know. But at the very least, those some of those spoilers, especially when talking about visuals and stuff like that, will be out of context spoilers for those who've not touched definitely. the game at all. So yeah. Uh, but when we get to the more egregious stuff, we'll definitely be like, hey, fair warning. Absolutely. We about to spoil this shit like some old bananas. <laughs> about to ruin all your favorite games you haven't played yet. Um, but yeah, uh, that's kind of the gist of it. So, you know, um, with that being said, Pablo, I, I think we should go ahead and just dive right in. Um, so, let's kick this off. Let's kick this off with uh, a pretty good category, one of my favorites that we decide on, and that is Best Visual Slash Art Style. Uh, these are the games that excelled in visual fidelity and or art style. Uh, it's important to note that the nominees that we're going to list off in just a moment here are, uh, number one, they're not in any particular order. Actually, they are, but it's just alphabetized. Um, and secondly, they don't need to excel at both visual fidelity and art style to qualify or win. So in other words, if, if one game is more about you know realistic visuals and another game is just about you know really cool art style, uh, they can still qualify and they can still potentially win depending on how the conversation goes. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and read off the list of nominees that we have. Uh, this is one of our longer list of nominees, but let's get through them. We have A Plague Tale Requiem, I, The Somnium Files, Nirvana Initiative, As Dusk Falls, Bright Memory Infinite, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Card Shark, Elden Ring, Ghostwire Tokyo, God of War Ragnarok, Gran Turismo 7, Horizon Forbidden West, Neon White, Nobody Saves the World, Norco, Pentiment, Pokemon Scarlet slash Violet, Return to Monkey Island, Sifu, Signalis, Stray, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, The Callisto Protocol, The Last of Us Part 1, Trek to Yomi, and Windjammers 2. All right. So we have quite a bit of cuts to make here, Pablo. Are there any cuts that you think stand out as an easy one? Yeah, I, you know, kind of inside baseball, we have an open dock, and throughout the year, this is actually a list we've been building all yes. year. Uh, yes. And so I might have uh, put some stuff in here that I'm looking at now, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm let you go for it. Go. Bright memory infinite can get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think I think that's a game that looks really cool. Uh, one person made it, and I think visually it's kind of surprising when you put it within that context. But within the context of every other game that's come out, it's just not very. Yeah, it's just not. It doesn't. It doesn't compete. It just doesn't hold up to any of these games. To be quite honest. Yeah, so I would that's agree. That's an easy cut for me. Yeah. yeah, not bad to look at, but not something that's going to leap off your your screen no. by any means. It, it was just more like, oh, one person made this. Oh mm-hmm. shit, this is actually impressive. Pretty yeah. nice looking. Considering yeah, yeah. that, yeah, very impressive. Uh, let me yeah. go ahead and volunteer one out here. Um, I'm going to say uh, I'll go ahead and cut Signalis. Uh, I think it's a really nice oh. art style. The the top down pixel art uh with the survival horror elements really well done um i'm just looking at this list we have a winner and a runner-up to pick and Uh, i don't think signalis is going to be one of those uh, picks whatsoever i well here well okay because i i only play like 20 minutes of that game and the one thing about that game that i saw was that it it was pretty visually impressive it is Uh, um but i will say it does get a little repetitive um, the further you okay. play, uh, it's very corridor heavy, uh, which can be done right. right. I just think that it got a little drab after a while. So I, I don't okay. think it's All one right. that's going to that, stand. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. I, I think another game here that we can actually get rid of off rip. I just think um, technically it's a mess and, and visually it's fine. It's Pokemon Scar- uh, Scarlet Violet. Yeah. I, I, I like a lot of the designs of the Pokemon. I like some of the stuff that they do with the world. I like some of the cutscenes that they actually have. They're pretty actually, they're probably one of the more impressive cutscenes that you've seen in a Pokemon game. But ultimately, it's, 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 it's just standard fare mm-hmm. here with, with slight visual upgrades throughout. But yeah, that's, uh, that, that's a pretty easy one. Yeah. Um, all right. How about, uh, how about, Windjammers 2. Yeah, I think that can go. That was one of my next ones, actually. Yeah. Really cool. I like the, the, the 90s Street Fighter-like art style to it. I yeah. think it's beautiful to look at. Um, but again, you know, with two spots, it's not, it's not going to make it. And it's not unique, really. Not A really, lot of no. games do that uh, aesthetic pretty uh, often. Yeah. Um, what do you got, man? Because I know well, we're... Uh, I think a lot of these games here uh, are... Well, with, besides one or two of them, could be pretty... There could be an argument to be made to, for them to, to win it. So, um, I have two that I'm actually going to throw out there. Um, Shredder's Revenge, I think, is a really nice callback art style to the old Ninja Turtles games. Um, I think it was very on point, um, but it wasn't something that really you know stuck with me uh, throughout the year and thinking back about it. Yeah. It was a nice-looking, old-school-looking game, um, so I don't think it's just going to... I don't think it's going to hang. And I also want to throw out there Trek to Yomi. Um, really cool uh, you know, concept with mm. doing the Kurosawa art style. I just don't think that um, the, the game's visuals outside of the black and white looked all that impressive to me. Um, it looked a little bit yeah, on the bland I, side in, in, some, in some ways. Well, I also think it suffers the same thing you said with Signalis, that after a while... A lot of this stuff just starts to kind of blend and look uh, mm-hmm. uh, the same. There are moments in Trek to Yomi that happen later on that are visually impressive, uh, but they're ultimately using the same trick uh, in terms of the black and white yep. aesthetic. So, exactly. yeah, that's that's a good um, that's a good one to get out of here. Okay, <clears throat> all right. Um, what are you thinking? I got one that's a little spicy, um, and I know this, these kinds of games are very easy to look at and be impressed with, but I feel like there are other games on here that have a better art style and graphically are something that uh, calm my attention more, and that's and that's to get rid of uh, Gran Turismo 7. Um, yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, 
It's a it it is a crisp, clean, good looking game. I think the HDR implementation here is outstanding, um, and the cars look really good. Um, you know, it, it is a very realistic realistic looking game. Um, I I had a feeling it wasn't gonna you know hang around too long on this list, so I'm I'm, I'm cool with it going. But um, I have to say, as a next gen game, this this one really looked the part in my opinion, and I was you know very often impressed with how how it looked as I played it. But I don't think it's gonna last. Yeah. Um, so not not super spicy there. I'm okay with that. Um, I want to run past this one uh, and kind of get it out of the way. Norco is one that I that I put on this list. I really love the art style of this game. Uh, it is very artsy. Um, it is a very compelling looking game that manages to take 2D pixel art and make it feel like it has actual atmosphere. Um, you know, it's not a game that's trying to look retro. It's very hard to describe the art style in this game, but it is uh, very good at what it's trying to achieve. Uh, again, we just have too many other heavy hitters on this list that I, I don't think that it has uh, much of a chance to, to last. So I'll make yeah. the cut to I, my I, own here. I started the, I started that game, and I think it has a really unique art style. Uh, but I do think that other games on here have, when it comes to art style, just have a better uh, visual aesthetic no for doubt. me. No doubt, uh, yeah. Then. All right, so uh, Marco, talk to me about Ghostwire Tokyo. Yeah, so I don't think it's going to make it on this list. Um, I think what I really appreciated about this game was the depiction of Tokyo. I think it combines uh, a very realistic look with the supernatural elements in the game very nicely. Um, and so for me, you know, it was one of the games that I enjoyed, not necessarily because it was the, the crispiest looking game or the, you know, the, right. the cleanest looking game, but I think it just really did a good job with bringing that, that city to life and the way that it used the fear, like horror elements to create a really neat visual style that I thought worked well for the game, but I don't think that's going to end up uh, lasting too much longer on this list. So I'll go ahead and put it out of its misery cut it now um <laughs> okay let's i got see. something i got something a little spicy here again. why are you doing this already what's going on with you man I, because I, I i all right what is it god of war ragnarok is a game that i think is absolutely beautiful uh but that's because 2018 was so beautiful mm-hmm. i i'm not here to talk about the things that work for that game but purely on a visual level i don't think i ever found myself specifically impressed by the game's visuals i thought they always looked really good i thought they were really clean i never looked at the game and thought oh it's ugly i just thought it was great to look at uh character designs great all that stuff is great you know obviously it's a sequel so it has a lot of the same characters that we've seen from before i think thor's uh and, and odin's uh character design is, is super dope i love all of that I would I would just go as far as to say and I think Horizon Forbidden West is the more visually impressive game. I I found myself actually like like with mouth open in certain as in certain areas of Forbidden West. It's things that I've never ran into uh, when playing God of War Ragnarok. That's not and again that's not a slide against the game's visuals. Sure. I think the game's visuals are top notch. Absolutely, sure. but. When compared to uh, another game within its category, you know, Sony first party game, I don't even think it's close. Uh, and it's 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 
God of War Ragnarok works on so many levels. I think the visual stuff is probably the weakest point of the game. Uh, if I had to p- pick a w- weak point, and I and if we're looking at the best games here when it comes to design, art style, I think that God of War Ragnarok does all those things decently enough and, and even good. It just mm-hmm. never hits the highs that a game like Forbidden West does, or even even Elden Ring with its sure. design. So okay. That's kind of where I'm at with God, what Ragnarok. Yeah, I'm actually rolling with that. Um, I think, I mean, okay. it, it, it's a little weird to cut it this this soon, but I also agree with your rationale, though, about, you know, it. I think the game has a lot going for it in terms of creating an aesthetic with certain realms and stuff like that, yep. but I just don't think that it's as fully realized as I would have hoped. And I also think this is a game unlike... Um, the game you mentioned, Horizon, where I think the cross-gen component of it maybe held this game back from really pushing yeah, yeah. the envelope as far as it could have with fidelity. Not to, Again, to your point, not to say it looks bad. It doesn't look bad at all, and it performs amazingly, uh, no matter what mode you pick. Um, it just falls a little bit short for me uh, for the same reasons that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's just one of those things where we're picking the best of the best here and I just I just I again I and even those realms that you talked about Marco I I feel a lot of those realms once you're in those realms they felt kind of empty mm-hmm. uh and mm-hmm. a little bit kind of just mediocre level design in a lot of I'm those with things. you on that one definitely yeah. yeah some people are gonna be mad at that but hey like I said at the top of this no, man, our opinions said, are different gotta work <laughs> And God of War Ragnarok is going to get some praise, I think, throughout this. Uh, oh yeah, plenty uh, of nominations this, in other categories. This, yeah, no question. And, and and we love and we love a lot of what that game does. But I mean, we're just being real here when it comes to the visual stuff. Definitely. If you think God of War Ragnarok is the best visual game, is the best game visually, then you haven't played much of the other games on this list because it just doesn't hold up. Oh, you got cataracts. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So I got a two piece for you, Pablo. I got two. I got two okay. for you. I, the Somnium Files, I think is a cut. I think I, I like their art style. I like how zany they can get with certain things. They got a man that is with a box head in this game. And they never, and they never explain Not it. at all. At no point in time. Um, always cool looking. Um, very imaginative with certain elements. But again, we're going up against bangers right now. So it's getting real. I yeah. think it's a cut. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's... It, it, when you look at the visual, like the artistic d- design and, and kind of the things that they're going for, they do a lot of interesting things. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a there's a level where you're swimming in blood, in right. order to you know to yeah, things like that are really cool. When you get into what they call the somnium, the somnium of, of certain people's mm-hmm. heads, and I think that design is super dope. Though it does have kind of like a random uh, as- aesthetic to it. Like it's kind of like oh. This is this is this is the way it is for the sake of it being yeah and and there's no cohesiveness uh, throughout so I agree with that I I, okay. I I love this game for many reasons uh, visually being one of it is a visual novel uh, but yeah good cut yeah and my second one that I would throw <clears throat> out there I'm gonna say Sifu Sifu's got a cool art style it's a cool looking game. But I think that's as far as I can probably go with talking about its looks. Yeah. It just looks cool. It looks dope. But I, I again, best of the best, I just don't see it. I don't see it. Nothing against it. Yeah, I agree. Okay. That's my um, two-piece. What, what are you thinking here? We'll make a few more cuts, right, and then we'll, uh, we'll probably just like reset the listeners on what we got left over after this. But 
Talk yeah, to me. I think that the Callisto Protocol can go. I think that graphically, it's absolutely stunning. Um, and it, 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 its enemy design is pretty dope. It just does get repetitive pretty uh, quickly in terms of that. There's not much variety there. Uh, but in terms of what all the other games on this list are, what they're offering i think that they're offering a little bit more when it comes to like either an artistic bend to it or a visual fidelity that was a little bit more enticing to me but i, I don't know that i don't know if this one's tricky right because getting, i think yeah. this one could have been number one it realistically because it, it is it is that good looking to me the problem that mm-hmm. i have with the game is not so much you know the locations and stuff like that it's the fact that it came out with a lot of visual bugs that prevented um you know like xbox gamers like yourself from being able to actually play the game with ray tracing on like you know and they've they've since addressed a lot of that and you know and i want to at least compliment them on fixing it promptly but you know a lot of the best visuals were kind of blocked by bugs and that's unfortunate you know um so i think even on that level i think it's probably a cut um, but I will say, well, in terms of wow yeah. moments, I had quite a few visually looking at this thing. No, I did too. But I also think that um, those moments are definitely there. But I also mm-hmm. think level design isn't really good. I mean, there are moments that the level design looks really nice, but then there are other moments where you're just kind of trekking through an underground, yeah. undisclosed location, and it's just kind of it, it's inconsistent in that way. Um, let's make two more so cuts far. and let's get down to 10 and then I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, refresh the listeners here okay All right, I'm going to put you on the spot here yeah um, Stray Stray um, man Stray is atmosphere the game for me uh, it is yeah. uh, man the, the lived in world aesthetic that this game pulls off when you get to the city uh, in this game is something that I marvel at constantly I play this game uh twice both times looking around this 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 location and the others it takes you to uh man is it beautiful um i i wish this game was in hdr this game would have really shined in hdr especially with a lot of the neons and the and the the lighting uh would have been beautiful to look at but it is an indie game at the end of the day um i think it's one of the year's best looking games is it one of the top two no it's not Okay. If you were I talking mean, like a top, is, if you were saying like top five or something, I'd probably put my my foot down a little bit on this one. But okay, because I, 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 yeah, all right. I mean, if you want to take it, that's fine. I I wasn't really implying for you to take it off. I just more or less thought you know kind of explain as to why you like it so much uh, on this in this category. I thought you made a pretty compelling argument because I did get to the city and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I like it's the beautiful cat the cat physics and stuff and the way the cat looks and all that, that that's really mm-hmm. cool as well um i'm gonna offer up an easy cut for me just because um it's gonna be card shark i feel card shark looks great i think visually it's stunning but i think another game on this list just outdoes everything that the game was trying to i, do really I think i know year. which one you're talking about pentiment right yeah 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 i'm talking about pentiment got you yeah. on that one um okay let me go ahead and tell you what we got here uh left here uh, under best visual uh, art style nominees these are the top 10 that we have so far a plague tale requiem as does Falls, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Elden Ring, Horizon Forbidden West, Neon White, Nobody Saves the World, Pentiment, Return to Monkey Island, and The Last of Us Part 1. Um, Thank you, sir. All right. Um, all right. Let's 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 talk here. It's going to get a little bit more difficult here, but I, I want to start with one, um, and boy, does it look good. But Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is probably one I could say can go. 
Um, it, it is a nice looking yeah. game, man. Some of those cinematics, it looks like unca- it's like the uncanny valley effect in a way, uh, but in some good and bad ways. You know how it can be with with certain like ultra realistic looking characters. But uh, overall, I thought that game looked phenomenal. Um, it was really really beautiful yeah. in certain cases. Some of those levels were were gorgeous. Um, Crazy. But I do think it ultimately sinks back into Call of Duty mode partway through the game, and some of those levels get a little bit very you know like Call of Duty ish. Uh, now we're on a sinking ship and now we're, you know, hiding in the grass and we're sniping and, you know, so, and that, I know, I know that sounds like more of a gameplay complaint than a visual one, but yeah. a lot of the level design is built around that stuff. And I think in some levels can be a bit mundane, I guess is the best word okay. for it, uh, despite the fidelity right. and how good it looks. So I'll make that. I, a I got one here. Um, got? nobody saves the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think it's really uh, it's not a game that I particularly enjoyed, uh, but it is still a game that visually is interesting enough to where, you know, it came out in January and we're in December now and we're still kind of uh, th- talking about it in, in its in that way because it is pretty cool looking. Okay. It does a lot of really cool stuff artistically. Um, I think when it comes to it being an when we're talking about visual fidelity and artistic uh, uh, style, I think that this is among one of the, the, the better games of the year in that sense. However, there are other games that do that better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since it's only a top two, I think that it's just not going to make it here, yeah. especially with other games on this list. Um, all right, we're going to have to rip off some Band-Aids here now. Um, yeah. I have two. I think As okay. Dusk Falls, I think this is a good a good stopping point for that. I think the art style is super unique. I liked the the idea they had around that. A lot of people hated it. But I thought the game looked really interesting, and I thought it conveyed some of the emotionality of that story very nicely, despite it being mm. basically still frames. Um, but looking at what's left over on this list, it, it this is kind of the time where it stands out to me a little bit uh, as a cut. Yeah, I don't. So I almost felt like it could have been a a number two, a runner up, just because I don't know. Um, because, just because artistically, it's so. It's beautiful to it look is. at. These are but all also, these are all they, number one contenders yeah. at this point now. Yeah, but I, but it does. But it's beautiful to look at in a different way. It's almost different. Uh, it's probably the most unique one out of all the games left here. Sure. Even though Pentiment is pretty unique in its in its approach, because we got a lot of games that are f- graphically the the fidelity there is 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 top notch with some of the games here. But um, I just feel like. Even as a still motion kind of game, they're able to convey uh, emotionality in a way that some other games with incredible uh, graphical fidelity can't even do. But um, I guess I, I guess I'll ride with it being cut just because when it comes it, when it comes to the art style of it all, there's another game out here that I would like to talk about uh, as a pro- possible number two. Okay, so well, let's go ahead and Marco, do that. What do you got? Let's talk a Plague Tale Requiem. Um, look, I think for me, there's a moment in this game, and I, we'll go slight spoilers here. Uh, two moments in this game that kind of like left me like shocked in terms of how beautiful it looked. And that's when you reach Lacuna, the island, yep. Lacuna, when you reach there the first time and you explore that island. And then when you go through that entire uh, level, um, the, the Cradle of Centuries, which ends with you seeing uh, Basilis, uh, uh, Bas- Basilis chained up, and you see the 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 um, 
the epicenter of the Justinian plague. Yeah. Uh, that whole moment and then running out of that. Absolutely. Uh, that looks amazing. Is it enough for that moment specifically to carry this game into the top two? Because everything else about that game is beautiful to look at. Yeah. It, you know, uh, even the facial animations, I think that's really cool. I think Amicia's facial animations and Hugo's, all that, all that done is really, really well. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know because those are the, that's the that's the one thing that stands out to me. Those two moments that were really beautiful. No, no, no. I'm with um, you on that. I'm with you on that. I'm with you. Uh, I, I would also add to that, um, and it might sound like a little thing, but I think the lip syncing to me uh, yeah. that was a that kind of stuck out a lot. Uh, it kind of it kind of undermined some of the other things that I thought were beautiful about that game. Uh, it's one of my favorite looking games of the year by far, but I, I can't, I can't fight back on that. I think that it, again, if we were to make it a top five, I think it'd be in the top five, but I, I don't think that's something we can throw well, as so a winner or runner I think up. We should hold, but maybe we should hold on to it for a second. Cause I think we should talk about other games before. Yeah. We- I mean, we gotta, I think, I think we gotta like go a little hard in the paint here. Um, I, I, I would say neon white is a cut. Okay, I think it's a yeah, it's a cool looking game, game, but I think the gameplay portions of that um, are I know what kind of art style it's going for. It pulls it off nicely, but it, it's not enough to be on the top two. Yeah, it's I think the happening. thing that really goes for that game is the fact that uh, like its art style is genuinely amazing, but also it implements that art style into the the gameplay where th- certain aspects of that of, yeah. of, of that level can be used to you know to jump or whatever and doesn't look like jump here jump here it actually looks part of like the whole uh, aesthetic of the art style but yeah i think that neon white is is a good cut right. there we got to talk about it now we got to get to pentiment and, yeah. and return to monkey island i got to know where that's going to well, be yeah, I think Return to Monkey Island is it does a really good job updating the formula. People really hated the art style because for whatever reason they wanted it to look like it did before. I think that it looks like an updated f- version of what that game was, and it does enough to where you can re- you can see the emotion in Guybrush Threepwood's face and Elaine's face and all the characters' face because there are moments in this game towards the end that really uh, are, are are require that emotionality to come through, so you can really understand what's going on in terms of the story, what the they're trying to tell you. But I think ultimately. Um, it's not one of the better looking games or visual or art style games when you compare it to other games out here. Okay. Um, no, I, I think Pentiment, I think Pentiment for me is a lock at number two at the very wow. least. I, I think, <laughs> I think that game is, is art style. It's art personified. I think there are moments in that game when you can stand still and it looks like a painting. Now, I'm not saying it looks like a good painting, but it does look like a painting that is reminiscent of the 15th century's uh, artists of that time. The entire game is loyal to that aesthetic to the point where, uh, you know, people, when people talk, the visual, the, the text on the screen, it depends on if they're using the king's song or if they're peasants and the way they speak. All that game, everything about that game is visual, is visually arresting to me. There are moments when uh, there's a thing that happens and it's raining outside and then all that stuff just looks amazing to me and it never says a single word throughout the game there's no spoken dialogue throughout however you're the art style helps you convey the emotion that's happening on screen at all times and i feel like when you look at this game it's just 
it's nothing that you it's not like anything you've ever seen before uh and then for them to carry that through throughout the game and implement that in just about every aspect of the game really works well for me i i i i think pentiment is for me one of my favorite looking games of the year uh but understandably so like we there's other games out here but i i i would say pentiment for me i would want to argue that as a as a number two um, i hear you i mean i could be talked i could be talked down from it but yeah i you know i think i couldn't be further apart from you on that i i cannot stand the look of pentiment i played about maybe five or six hours of it actually i went back and circled back to it again um mm-hmm. Something about this look just doesn't do it for me. I actually completely disagree about the emotionality coming through in the faces. I think the way that people move in that game looks weird. Um, I think that the font thing is is cool. It's a neat idea. Um, but I just don't like the look of that game at all. Uh, I, I, I just think it looks very bland, actually, personally. So well, I, I well, don't know where to go when from you talk here. About- but when you talk about the way they move, and so I think what what's interesting about that is that they their rules to those kind of um, paintings, right, uh, in parentheses, and so they move according to those rules. So it might seem stilted, but it it every motion and movement of that game is something that can just be freeze framed, and it looks like a painting, it looks like a drawing, which is what they're going for. Um, I man, I don't know, I. I guess that's a taste thing for you. I I don't, but I don't well, know. This if, is if, really at the end if, of the day a taste thing. Um, when you can yeah, boil but I don't it know down. if you can look at it and be like, this isn't. But I don't know if you can look at this and say Pentiment is a failure, an abject failure in what it's trying to do. I think what it was trying to do, it succeeds in it in spades, in my opinion. I just think you don't like the way it looks, which is fair and a fair assessment to this whole entire thing because it is, in fact, the best visual and all that is, you know, eye of beholder stuff. Sure, but I I don't know if we can sit here and say that Pentiment is. Is doesn't do what it was trying to do, and, and does that? Yeah, in, but a game could do a, what it's trying to do, way. and also not necessarily look the best. I mean, if a game I mean, if a game wanted to be is, stick figures, it could make really good stick figures. But it's a game that would be stick figures. Yeah, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, that's an extreme that's example. Of what I'm before. saying, but right, right, right. Um, I mean, we have five games on this list, so we we are gonna have yeah. to we gotta move we gotta move on you know at some point here. So I think we already talked about flirting with the idea of cutting Plague Tale. Why don't we just go ahead and kind of do that? Um, okay. I think we need to talk about The Last of Us Part One next and see if that's got some legs here. Um, I think if you, you if you that? played The Last of Us Part Two and then play Last of Us Part 1, you realize how big of a change The Last of Us Part 1 was. I think calling Last of Us Part 1 just them putting Last of Us Part 2 graphics on it, it's just inaccurate. Yeah, it, uh, totally Last of Us Part yeah. 1 looks better than Last of Us Part 2. Agreed. Yeah, it, it does. There's, there's no question about it. My only thing is, is that it's an updated version of something that already exists, mm-hmm. and that's not to take away from it, but I don't think it really does anything new other than make it look great and i you know that's what the category is about but i feel like elden ring horizon for middle west and pentiment which is the other three games on here did they just do a little more i would agree uh, i would agree yeah um i think the game looks phenomenal i think it is far more than just the cheap coat of paint people have made it sound like it is it is much more than that yeah it's bullshit. um i don't know if it transforms the experience too much it does it does create more opportunities for the emotions of cutscenes to come through we talked about that when it first came out i think that's a huge plus um that the new facial animations provide but um i think that it is while it's a beautiful looking game to look at i think that the argument for the others are probably going to be stronger um so 
That leaves us with uh, Elden Ring, Horizon Forbidden West, and Pentiment. So we got to make a cut, and then we got to so, rank. Um, well, let's let's talk Elden Ring real quick. Yeah. Um, uh, now, I I think personally, Elden Ring. You know, yes, people can say, well, the frame rate, the performance. I, I get that. Yes. But what yeah, I would yeah. say is that the adventure of Elden Ring wouldn't be half as um, amazing if it wasn't for the way that game looked. Um, giving you different type of locations, surprises. The underground area in particular was kind of mind-blowing to me. Some of the boss fight locations are awesome in terms of atmosphere and setting. Um, I think this game is is quite a tour de force when it comes to both visuals and art style in some respects. Probably more it's, so art style. Yeah, it's world design, character design, enemy design. All of mm-hmm. Elden Ring is filled with bizarrely beautiful creations. Boss fights that Miyazaki probably came up with during some kind of fever dream. Shrooms or like, some shit, yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah, some opulent castles, mansions, academies, all created with like unmatched artistic visual precision. I, I mean, it's 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 kind of... It, the unmet, Like, there's a, there's a moment in this game, and I'll talk about it in moments, that's all visual... Uh, you know, it's an all visual. It's all a visual experience that I had, sure. uh, and it's a small part of the game, and I have it in best moments, and we'll talk about it then. But yeah, so I, I think we don't have to, we don't have to be coy here. I think Elden Ring is the winner of the category. Um, I, I think don't, we have to I don't now, think so though. I think it's the runner no, up. I, okay, I think Horizons. I think Horizon all is right, so let's, unbelievable. So I think Horizon Forbidden West is probably the best looking uh, game on the list here. So I'll go ahead. I've made my piece with Pentiment. I still feel like Pentiment is one of the best looking games of the year in terms of its art style. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I'm ha- if, if these are the two games we have to talk about Elden Ring and Horizon Forbidden West, then we can go ahead rid of Pentiment and, okay. and discuss here. Um, Marco, I will say this. I think Elden Ring does more. And I think Horizon Forbidden West does just the visual part. I think graphically that game is outstanding. Lighting, just everything about that game, the way it performs, everything in that game is just stunning to look at. But when it comes to to, to world design, when it comes to uh, a character design, when it comes to enemy design, I do feel that Elden Ring kind of kicks his ass in just about every way. I wouldn't disagree, but I think this is where we have to get a little technical, though, and, and call out some of Elden Ring's shortcomings. You know, when I'm seeing grass pop up 10 feet in front of my yep. character, when I'm seeing textures flicker, um, you know, when I'm seeing the game struggle with kind of, you know, basic perform i mean these are things that horizon never struggles with thanks to the decima engine and just the talents of gorilla and they add uh, in, an, in a, an abundance of of extreme detail i mean i watched the digital foundry's list of top best looking games of the year they put horizon at number one uh and they showed mm-hmm. off a lot of things that i almost didn't even notice that were that detailed i mean zooming into the blades of grass and seeing the amount of detail they put on them and when an animal runs through the grass that it, it parks the grass and leaves an imprint there for for pretty much the entire time and little things like that go a long way it, it might not always aesthetically please us but i think on a technical level it is a powerhouse that looks runs and performs in an immaculate way that i think is just second to none from anything thing i've ever seen this year so i think this is really going to come down to in a way um art design versus technical prowess right um well i will say 
and and just kind of fair is fair. I mean, there was some issues in performance well, there's some sharpness settings the shimmering mm-hmm. thing happening some muddy <clears throat> images here and there in certain aspects so th- it wasn't like a complete perfect game but I, I agree I think that's the argument here here's my thing though I, I think this category is equal parts best visual equal parts best art style I think Horizon Forbidden West has the best visuals bar none I think Elden Ring has the best art style bar none however I would say when it comes to uh, what that does for the game, like the world building of Elden Ring is is, is all done through visual uh, through visual things, right? And so I feel Elden Ring for me does more; it's more groundbreaking with its art style, with its design, with its world design, enemy design than what Horizon Forbidden West is when it comes to its visual uh, design. Yes, it's the best looking PlayStation Five game. I, I I agree with that, but I mean, this is where you and me will have the the kind of um, disagreements because you're more of a technical guy, I think, you know, and, yeah. and I and and I am willing to let those things go. Not that I'm more artistic; it's just that I'm willing to let a lot of the more technical things go uh, if the artistic parts of the game call out to me more. But I, I just think Elden Ring is a generational game, and I think Horizon Forbidden West is 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 not. Um, and I think visually games will get better, uh, as time goes on. And I think when it comes to art style, Elden Ring is pretty, uh, is, is, is going, games are going to build off what that, that Elden Ring did. But I think that the art style, it has a lot more of a shelf life in terms of longevity with, with it, when it comes, when we talk about this game. And we're still talking about Bloodborne's uh, level design and world design. You know, uh, I, I, I feel like in terms of, of ultimate, what this game does in each of its category, I think that Elden Ring just does better. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're just kind of flip-flopped here. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think um, it's just, it's a little hard for me to justify Elden Ring being number one um, with, you know, the the kind of technical issues that it's had that still hasn't been addressed, you know? Uh, and I think that's kind of what, what bugs me, is that that game came out earlier in the year, and whatever issues Horizon had... Um, are are long since fixed, and we're still. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm still watching grass should... pop in front of me, and you know that there there's there's something to be said for that too. I don't exactly want to dismiss yeah. that stuff either. Um, okay, but then but then let's let's talk about Horizon Forbidden West on the art style of it. I don't think they do anything interesting. I think a lot of their character design and their and their it's all amalgamation of of different like. The uh, different tribal things. I the design of uh, the uh, a lot of the, um, uh, the the mechanical dinosaurs are from the previous game, and the new design ones just feel like Lego pieces that they've added additional things to those things. Um, I think uh, Aloy's design is is always great. Um, I think she, uh, I, but I think that her design and her vis- the visual fidelity of her design is so much better than a lot of the other things on that game it's, as well. I don't know. I just I I, I think. I think these games are per- perf- are perfect matches to each other because you're right. I think Elden Ring's visual aesthetic is leaves a lot to be desired graphically, but I think Horizon Forbidden West it just seems it just seems so clinical in, in its art style approach. It, there's nothing really artistic about it. It's more just uh, it just feels like a random things put together, and I don't feel like the world of Horizon Forbidden West is as iconic. Or as interesting as Elden Ring's world. So, okay. The, well, the, let's the, let's the let's go ahead. Here. The, the, 
let's yeah. go ahead and just let, let's because we got to move on. Let's let's go ahead and um, I, I'm cool with that. I mean, um, I think this is where we'll just be kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. But I think Elden Ring's case in terms of art style is 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 sound. Um, I just wish that some of the technical aspects of that game would have been I mean, listen, done I, better through I say, the year. I mean, I'm not saying that either or the winner. I'm just saying if you think that the technical aspects are really that damning, then I'm okay with Elden Ring being the runner-up. I mean, I had to play the PS4 the version <laughs> just so that it wouldn't I mean, run like asshole. That's something. Um, no, that's something. You know, and I also, I also felt like the uh, the Xbox version got shafted as well, particularly, you know, with you know, worse performance. Um, and the Horizon Forbidden West stuff, I had the shimmering stuff for like five minutes, and it's not really a thing yeah. that really affected. And I, honestly, that game is. I mean, that game's character. Mind, I mean, they literally said that like they they have a whole system created around creating bodies that you know account for blood flow <laughs> when it comes to like how their skin looks and skin conditions, oh. and it's 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 that insane. I mean, that, um, I, I, a, that's a lot of stuff that has to be explained to you. But once you you know about it, it's like first of all, why? Why? But second, hey, that's dope as fuck. Let's do that. Here's my reasoning. Verizon Forbidden West should win the category because visually, uh, you know, it's it's hard to argue it. And I think that there are people out there that can look at Elden Ring and not like the game design because it is mm-hmm. more of an art style thing. So we can do it that way. And also, and not to be an asshole, I, I don't know if Forbidden West is going to win a lot of categories uh, <laughs> this uh, this time around. So we could definitely give it that. I, I, I came into this fully, I came into this category fully expecting Horizon Rise of Forbidden West to either be the winner or be in the conversation because yeah it would be in the conversation uh, at least because even even for me like as a person who wasn't a fan of the game itself I cannot deny it's beautiful uh, it's beauty so I like it that's good Horizon all right you want to read it out yeah so uh, winner of the best visuals slash art style of 2022 goes to Horizon Forbidden West with the runner up very deserving Elden Ring. Um, There's no way. Was, First category, 45 minutes. Jeez. I know, right? I was like, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to move on this bitch because <laughs> we got a lot of stuff to cover. Actually, I think this next one won't take too long, uh, personally. Yeah, but yeah. we can we can be a little bit more uh, cutthroat here. Um, up next is the category for best sound. Uh, the games that excelled in most or all aspects of sound, including voice acting, music ambiance detail and so forth um i'm gonna go ahead and read off the nominees they are as follows a plague tale requiem call of duty modern warfare 2 dying light 2 stay human elden ring god of war ragnarok gran turismo 7 horizon forbidden west metal hellsinger neon white rainbow six extraction stray Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, The Callisto Protocol, and Windjammers 2. All right. Let's go quick here. Yeah. We can get rid of Windjammers 2. I think, again, the problem with the Jammers 2 is that it does a lot of cool things, just not new. Nothing new about what they've actually done there. No doubt. Um, Let's see here. Shredder's Revenge could probably go again. I'm cool with it going. I love the the 80s music. music. It was dope, but also there was a I think there was a uh, Wu Tang song on there, which is dope uh, towards the end. Uh, uh, but you know, it is Wu-Tang what it is. There, for children. Okay. <laughs> all right, the let's get a little aggressive pro- here. No. Let's get aggressive. Um, um, all right, Metal Hell Singer was Tuesday. one of mine. Let me let me throw Metal Hell Singer away because okay. that was I liked the music. It was really well done. I liked how it was coordinating with the gameplay. Wait, but wait, it's not wait, wait. It, well, that game is like the music. That game is yeah, sound. It is. 
but that's kind of all it had. I mean, you know, if I okay. was to talk right. to you about voice acting and the sound of the guns, I mean, it's just kind of like, I. I know, so. but still. Okay, all right. That, that's fair. That's fair. Um, they, uh, Dying Light 2 Stay Human, outside of the moment where you, you, you've realized the synchronization of movement and sound, I yeah. think that everything else, the actual sound, it's, it's, it's mid uh, yep. at the end of the yep. day. But, um, um, I would throw Horizon in this one, actually. I think the 3D audio was great. I think the voice acting yeah, is pretty solid, but... About- what? Yeah, there's nothing about Horizon that I remember. Oh, that was like, oh, yeah. oh that sounds great. Yeah, 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 it's just cool. It's 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 pretty solid, but it's not the best. Um, Neon White got a little cringy with the voice acting. Um, I thought the music but was I, cool, but but was that not on purpose? I felt like a lot of that was like I think it was, uh, like, and it wasn't. Like, I don't like know, Neon man. Yellow. I mean, we're not judging the story, out. but I mean, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Some of that was a little yeah, much, I, even for me, and I loved it. Okay, we could say we could say neon white, um, rainbow six extraction. Uh, yeah. I think that cool sound design worked really well. It's just not among the best here. Yep, I agree. Um, I'll throw Stray in here. Um, I think this the the soundtrack is beautiful, and I think the uh, the atmosphere and the way they deliver the, the ambient sounds of your your locations is is stunning, but. Uh, it is probably not going to be among the best of the uh, the best on this list for sure. I'd also say probably Gran Turismo, even though that game is is a tour de force with sound and all the cars. Um, it is very much uh, a game that prides itself on accuracy. Uh, but boy, that soundtrack is the hokiest shit of all time. I mean, you're literally playing, you're, you're racing to the sound of da na 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 da na da na. Like what oh, the fuck no. is this music? Um, so it, I think it was a letdown in that regard for for me, uh, and it was just something that kind of broke the um, the excitement of playing that game and, and some of the the cool racing moments because you're playing with this fucking orchestra in the background yeah. that makes no sense. Um, maybe and maybe this is because uh, we're used to it being so good all all the time. But Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two, I think yeah. it has great sound sound design. It has yep. sound design. All the time, but you know, maybe we're taking it for granted here. But uh, I think that there are other games that, that do it better. Um, Plague we're Tale already down to four. We're down to four. That's good. Yeah. Um, we got Plague Tale, Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, and Callisto Protocol left over. Now, Callisto Protocol. I know some of you may be looking at reviews who haven't played the game and really uh, don't know much about it, other than it's it's it's, it's pretty much been lambasted online. I think Callisto Protocol sound design is 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 one of the best. I think of the it's year. amazing. I think it, it it what it does with sound design and how it 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 it, it either it uses sound to either trick you into uh, something that's happening or make you feel like holy shit, like something's right next to you. They do a lot in, in that regard. I think Callisto Protocol sound design is is, is top notch. Yeah. It should still be on here for I sure. I agree. Um, Ooh, I'm gonna talk about Elden Ring for you, man. I I love the huh. title. The title card music is is beyond epic. I think we all agree on that. I don't know if I can say there's a lot else sound wise that knocked me off my seat um, about Elden Ring. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like f- there's certain areas that you walk into and like there's certain music and musical 
cues that happen on there. The noises that are, are, are constantly happening in that game uh, are like once you get used to it, you know what, what specific enemies around the corner based on some sounds. Uh, I think there are still musical moments in the game, especially boss fights. You know, Radon, when you walk into that and just this epic sound music is is coming on the background. It's just, unfortunately, we're so focused on trying to beat the boss that we're not really paying attention. But I, I think that Elden Ring soundtrack is among the best of the year, but um, I I mean, I would be okay with cutting it here, uh, though I, I would say God of War Ragnarok had good music. Um, I'm not opposed to cutting God of War. Uh, I know, again, some people are going to want to fight us, but, you know, I think the voice acting what? is strong. Uh, the, the music oh, is right. iconic. Acting, yeah. but Actually, no... I- yeah, because yeah, this kind of encompasses all things sound, and I think that you know the voice acting is. If I had to be honest with myself, God of War Ragnarok voice acting is the best of the year. Uh, in general, yeah, sense. I would agree with that. Um, so you know, maybe it doesn't go. Okay, we can, we can we can say goodbye to Elden Ring. Okay. Plague Tale Requiem. I yeah. like the voice acting. I came around on Hugo. I think the rat sounds and, and all that stuff is really, really good. Um, I think they do a really good job with, with, with just all around sound design. But at the end of the day, if I'm looking at the, the next two games that are on this list, I think a Plague Tale Requiem goes bye-bye. Yeah, uh, I, I I love the sound. I love the voice acting. I love the 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 score. I think the score is is incredible. Um, and you know the the musical cues with certain things, particularly Hugo's ailment, I think is brilliant use of sound with that violin. Uh, it, it's it's incredible. I think the emotionality that comes through in the voice acting. If it wasn't for God of War, I think that would be the top voice acting that I've seen in the year. Oh, I knew you were going to do it. I thought you were going to wait till we get to the character <laughs> shit. And you contaminated this segment. Uh, but no, I think um, it, it's an unfortunate year to go up against, you know, these other two games, in my opinion. Because yeah, I think Callisto also, is, is so much hinges on sound for a horror game. It's not even funny. Yeah. And this game delivers I, on that. And God of War is God of War. And I'll eat some crow that I literally just had to I talk some shit. I said, what about God of War? Ragnarok sound is special. I mean... Kratos's uh Kratos's uh little theme song is everything every, th- every oh, yeah. time that shit comes blah, on is hype blah, as well. Blah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's simple and I like uh the Bear McCready he's he, he composed it said it's simple because he's a simple man as well. So it it just it, it works in all levels. Um the Leviathan Axe, the Blades of Chaos, all that sounds great. Um I think God of War's our winner here. I, I would say God of War winner and the Callisto Protocol as a runner up. Yeah, I mean I'm kinda evenly split on this one. I'm not I'm not you know, heavily in favor of one over the other. So I'm I'm okay with that actually. I th- I think you know the voice acting again is kind of where this game creates a a, a moat around itself um, in terms of its greatness. Um, other stuff I think is solid to good, um, but I I mean I think I think we have the right to. So I'm I'm actually totally fine with this. Um, so yeah. with that being said, the winner of best sound in 2022 goes to. God of War Ragnarok, with the runner-up being the Callisto Protocol. I like, I love that for us. The Callisto Protocol. Yeah, is again. It's not getting so enough love, man. It's not getting enough yeah. love by far. At least, especially with sound. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and move on to the next category, Pablo. That is best multiplayer. These are the games 
that provided the most enjoyable and high-quality PvP and or PvE online multiplayer experiences. The nominees. I want to... What's up? Before you say that, if you are a multiplayer first person, you are going to hate us. After oh yeah, this we ain't got a lot. We ain't got a lot here. It's getting a little. It's a little skeletal, if you shall. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two, Call of Duty Warzone 2.0, Fortnite Zero Build, Overwatch Two, Rainbow Six Extraction, Splatoon Three, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, and Windjammers Two are the okay. nominees here. Once again, we as know we're tradition doing. <laughs> so far, Windjammers, Windjammers 2 can go goodbye. And I so thought we had fun. Ninja Turtles, bitch. Ninja Turtles. Games that me and Marco played together, maybe for 20 minutes. Uh, Good time. Good I time. Appreciate, I appreciate you. I appreciate yeah. you. Windjammers 2, I appreciate you. Uh, not not happening. Okay. Right. Um, Look, I think um, Call of Duty Warzone yeah, 2.0. Yeah. It's got to go. For one, I, I honestly to this day have not played it, which is weird. Uh, but also everything I've seen in, in the original Warzone, I'm just not really interested in that. So I mean, you can come at me for that. But no, it's it's okay. I, it's uh, it, it it does some things better than the original. It kind of takes some steps backwards too, though. So it's it's kind of in a weird space right now. Uh, I, I don't think it's enough to be in the top two whatsoever. And this is the other reason why I said people are going to hate us because I think here one and two is 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 between Splatoon, Rainbow Six Extraction, and Overwatch 2 for me. I think Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 and Zero Build can go. Uh, I think those are the three uh, for me. I think Agreed. Zero Build I think Zero Build distills that game to the purest form, and I think everything that Fortnite does is still there. Uh, but Zero Build for me is, is I think, the best part of, of, of that game done in its purest form with maps created specifically for that. I just, it's still Fortnite for me. I mean, I, I think if you like Fortnite, you like Fortnite. And if you think Fortnite is okay, like I do, I think, you know, it's a, it's, it's the best experience on an okay multiplayer uh, shooter. Right. right. Um, no, I'm with you on that. I, Overwatch 2 is controversial and I think by default should go away because it's going to go on other categories that seem that, that paint it in a not a great light. I love Overwatch 2. I I still have it installed in my console. I plan to play it one day again. Um, but I think it's the best version of of that um, of that game to date. And we can talk about that later once once we get into the, those uh, other categories. I, I don't think this is... I, I think we could get the tension out the way here yeah. and, and stop fucking around. Splatoon 3 is the winner of this category. Yeah, I Followed agree. by Rainbow Six Extraction. I, again, I think I think Rainbow Six Extraction is a decent game that I think we had a lot of fun with, and that definitely colors our perception on the game. But I, I that's all what it's about. If, if playing it with people makes it fun, then that should be one of the best multiplayer games of the year. And Splatoon 3 is actually a great multiplayer experience uh, in my book. I think it's it has it has the, the, the timing down, the matches are, are short and sweet and to the point, and, and it's a unique, unique take on the multiplayer team shooter that I think nobody has come close to, uh, to, 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 to replicating. Yeah, it's just pure fun. Uh, it, it is the best version of itself that we've had. Uh, it, it is a um, damn near a mastery of, of that game's meta, uh, which is very hard to find in games of this type um, or really any multiplayer games, which, you know, the meta can kind of uh, fluctuate and be all over the map. I think Splatoon has maintained 
uh, itself is one of the sturdiest and most dependably good games uh, in the multiplayer space, and um, Splatoon 3 is no different. Um, and so I think you know both of us had a, a pretty fun time with it uh, when we played it earlier this year. And yeah, Rainbow Six I think is a solid runner-up. I don't think it gets enough love because it wasn't Siege, you know. Uh, and yeah. PVE games are always typically very tricky because if you're not playing with people you know, it fucking sucks. Like most PVE games, in my personal opinion, are. It's just playing with randoms in a game like this is just an uncoordinated debacle yeah um and i wish i wish there was a more elegant solution for people that wanted i mean you can play solo in this game which is nice but the problem is it's it's just not as fun as playing with people uh kind of defeats the purpose so that's why it it can only get so good on the list yeah and extraction is a lot of interesting stuff i i think they do a lot of uh they they kind of take a lot of siege gameplay modes and and restructure it to this and i think it works really nicely you know no question challenging it's a good time, and me, you, and my brother, we had a blast. <laughs> we did. Yeah, we, had, we were wild. We had on a that blast one. playing this game. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, best multiplayer, the winner is Splatoon 3 with the runner up, Rainbow Six Extraction. All right. Up next, ladies and gentlemen, if you're spoiler sensitive, one. it's about to go down, okay? We're going to be talking about the best moment slash sequence of 2022 and these are isolated or specific moments or sequences whether it's story gameplay or so on that stood out as the best and most memorable of the year we have quite a hefty list here pablo i think we're going to have to be uh pretty aggressive with our initial cuts but here are the nominees deep breath we have uh the mother's death and hugo's rage from a playtale requiem Amicia, Hugo, and Sophia finding the source of the Justinian Plague from A Plague Tale Requiem. Hugo's End from A Plague Tale Requiem. The Hostage Standoff from As Dusk Falls. Marjeet, I think that's how you say it. The Fell Omen boss fight from Elden Ring. Star Scourge Radon boss fight from Elden Ring. Finding the the village of Albinaris. Albinos for the first time, Elden Ring. Uh, The Burning of the Erd Tree from Elden Ring. Walking out to Limgrave for the first time in Elden Ring. Being teleported to the crumbling Pharaoh Mazula, something we all go through in life, uh, from, <laughs> <laughs> from Elden Ring. Um, from God of War Ragnarok, we have quite a few as well. Atreus reuniting with Kratos and hugging from uh, the game. Uh, Kratos versus Bjorn, who we'd find out was Atreus. Um, that boss fight. Thor reviving Kratos. Uh, Fenrir's return. The Tear and Odin, the Tear slash Odin plot twist. Uh, first time playing as Atreus. The Atreus and Anger Boda fight against Gorilla. I think that's her, how you say it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, moving on from God of War Ragnarok, we have uh, Gus figuring out Dr. Doopy early from High on Life. I don't even know what the fuck. We'll, we'll uh, get there. We'll get, we'll get there. there. Uh, from Horizon Forbidden West, the conversation with Hades and the Las Vegas light scene. Or Las Vegas. I don't know why I said Las Vegas. Um, the seance gone wrong ban- from Banner's Lab and then fighting Wanda for the first time in Marvel's Midnight Suns. Snapping on your opponent and winning the match from Marvel Snap. Setting up the perfect combination of cards from Marvel Snap. The shit story from Norco. The opening sequence of Somerville. The Ethel versus Kamaravi fight and deaths from Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Mio's death and rebirth from Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And 
the Zed boss fight from Xenoblade Chronicles 3. All right. That was a motherfucking mouthful. So we have <laughs> we're gonna have to be a little aggressive here, Pablo. So so let's let's make some quick cuts here and get to the the nitty gritty after yeah, that. Yeah, um, I would say uh, fighting the village of the Albanaris. That's a me thing. Um, it's basically just the, a moment uh, in the that's north. That's the Elden Ring one, right? Yeah, yeah. That's okay. the north in the northwest part of the map. You can stumble onto this 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 uh, city that's so dark that it's gray, okay. and the trees in the background are all black backdrops, and the sounds that are coming out of that city, and then just riding your horse slowly through it. Mm-hmm. It was just like an incredible moment. Um, but okay. it's, that's more of a main thing, so we can cut that off. Yep. All right. Um, let's see. I let's think the see. boss fights here. Star Scourge, a Radon boss fight. I think that's an epic boss fight. I think everything about it. I mean, this man is throwing like stars at you uh, from the sky. But I think that the problem with that is that the actual boss fight isn't very interesting. Yep. Um, okay. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, I'll cut the shit story from Norco. Uh, that what is was, that? That was funny as fuck. Um, basically, you're 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 playing as a character. That you're trying to get into this um, this very private club. Um, that has a secret knock on the door and next to that club is this guy in a hot dog stand and no one's buying his bullshit ass hot dogs and they're they're like they're getting moldy and fucked up but he tells you hey i know the knock because i'm right next to them i can tell you but you have to bring a customer to buy these hot dogs so you go and find some dude that's starving somewhere else he comes over buys the hot dog and then you don't see them again for like a, a little while then later on in the game, you're at this. You're in front of this nightclub. You run into the dude that bought the hot dog, and he tells you, "Like I have taken, I had the worst shit story of all time." And you know, do you want to hear it? And the game asks you, "Are you sure you want to hear the entire thing, or you just want me to forget it?" And you have to keep going, "Yes, yes, yes." And he goes on to explain how he ended up having to take a huge shit, and he had explosive diarrhea. He got in this limo. <laughs> This limo of kids that were going to their prom or something like that, and he uh, he kind of got in there after all the kids got out. He they rushed into the limo because there was no bathrooms. He shit in the in the limousine. Then the driver was on the phone and then noticed him in the back seat, saw him shitting, stopped the car, locked him in, called the police. The police came over, uh, tried to get him to come out. He wouldn't come out. Then he came out and then he ran for it uh, and then hid in a dumpster and shit some more in the dumpster. And it was. It, um, it, it was a hysterical story. I don't usually like giggle over shit stories, but it was just so fun because the whole time this guy's tone was like, "Motherfucker, why are you making me tell you this story?" No, I, I really want to hear more about what happened, you know. And so it, it was just a funny. It was a funny sequence uh, that I thought was really. Um, you don't, it was. It was. A, it was a lighthearted moment in that game for sure that I, I thought was. You don't pretty think awesome. it hangs? Because that's, no, that's no. just hilarious. No, no. Okay. Um, We're gonna cut the shit. Gus. Gus figures out Dr. Droopy. It's it's a moment in, in High on Life where if you have the gun, whose name is Gus, out, he finds out that Dr. Droopy is actually one of the main bad guy or from that level, and you can kill him early. And once you kill Dr. Droopy early, his body still goes into his suit, and then you're fighting a suit with a dead body inside of it, which mm-hmm. is totally ultra. You don't have to do that. You can just be tricked by him. But I just thought it was a little cool moment where Gus is the more street savvy of the guns and he was able to figure out the guy's line. It's like, you're literally fighting a corpse by the end of that boss fight, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, right. Let's keep a Talk to let's me about keep getting aggressive. the conversation with Hades. Oh yeah. So this is early in the game. Um, you know, from the first game, Zero Dawn, your yeah. biggest uh, arch nemesis is the AI Hades. 
who has basically right. been running rampant. Uh, you finally get a chance to talk to this AI after all the events of the first game. And I thought it was a very chilling conversation um, because Hades is dying after being interrogated by another character in the game, Silence. Uh, so a lot of his information's been extracted, but he has this very condescending and, and sinister way about telling uh, Aloy that um, his memory's been wiped. And so uh, the conversation oh, is... The beginning. It's the really creepy. It's just really creepy, um, the way that he talks to her. Um, and I thought that for a villain you never actually really speak to in the first game, to get a chance to after the fact and go, what the fuck were you doing back then? And he's just like memory redacted in this very like creepy, yeah, that's growly the, voice. Ugh. That's from the start of the game, right? Yeah, very early Yeah, in I game. remember that. I was like, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. That yeah, it was, was, it was definitely cool, but uh, I don't think it'll hang here. The same with the other one from Horizon, the Las Vegas light scene uh, that you get... Uh, pretty far into the game uh was beautiful especially with how beautiful that game looks it was pretty astonishing to look at but compared to other stuff here that's more emotionally driven uh, it won't last so i'll cut both of those right now um Um, we'll keep moving here you have any like quick cuts without any real crazy exposition on them because i know we have a lot Uh, here yeah uh, yeah marvel snap both of those can go i think those are really cool moments in in that but it's 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 not gonna it's so it's snapping your opponent and the perfect combination of cards what? will yeah, not yeah, hang. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Um, how I would about say, uh, yeah. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles three. I think honestly, all three can go. Um, Mio's death and rebirth was probably the most emotional sequence because yes. of the prison scene that lasted so long and her time yeah, running yeah. out and her speech I, in the prison. Okay, I disagree. I think Mio's death and rebirth is a contender here. Okay, I, I think what I'm doing is I'm trying to make space for God of War stuff. Um, I would love to keep yeah, it, but, but... No, I think Mio's death and rebirth it, it rivals a lot of God of War stuff. I think honestly. that's when the game left Earth narratively for me, um, personally. Yeah. So if we, if we keep that, I'll cut the other two uh, from Xenoblade. Okay, they cut the other two because I, I, I honestly think that, that was the moment in that game. Um, another moment in that game that we won't add is when you find out your, uh, when you start figuring out stuff and your friend, I forget, Jonas. Uh, oh, Yorin. Yorin is, um, you know, a he's vill- part yeah, of the, villain, as, yeah. yeah, and you're like, wait a minute. But I think Mio's Death and Rebirth is kind of the moment in that game where I was like, okay, if we can Woo. keep it, let, well, let's hang on to it for yeah. now. Let's see where it I, lands. I, I think the opening sequence of Somerville is cool. It's awesome. It just doesn't hang. Yeah. It, it agree. Yeah. It just doesn't hang here. Um, okay. Um, all right. Let's, let's, let's look at uh, some of the uh, Elden Ring stuff. Because the, the issue with Elden Ring is Elden Ring is less of a game about specific moments yeah. and about the journey throughout. I think that Margit, the Fell Omen boss fight, I would like to keep that for a little longer only because for me, that is the that is the litmus test. That is the moment in that game where you're like, okay, either you're going to continue this journey and finally beat the actual first boss of this game or you're not. It just just isn't for you. Um, And I think that was they do that. The Souls games do that very often, and they do a really good job with it. But I think mm-hmm. Margie the Fellowman was one of those things where it kind of said, "All right, stop fucking around in this in the in the opening sections of Limegrave, and let's get real." And I think that that was a moment in a lot of people's playtime where they really understood what the game was trying to do and whether or not this game was going to be for them. Uh, but uh, with that said, the burning of the Earth Tree is super cool moment. I just don't think it hangs. Yeah. Um, 
walking uh, out to Limgrave for the f- yeah. Honestly, to be honest, I mean, we can keep the Marjeet one on here, but I don't know if any of those are ultimately going to be a winner or runner-up, yeah. personally. Yeah, being teleported to the crumbling form of Azula is super dope because you get there and you, it's like nothing you've ever seen Super in disorienting. The game. Uh, yeah, I love yeah, that moment. And I think that's, yeah, but I don't know if it's going to hang here. Yeah. You could go ahead and get and, and get through Marjeet. I just feel like, I just kind of wanted to see it as the last thing to be put, post off because I feel like that's that was the moment in that game for a lot of people that was like, this is it. Are you in or are you mm. out? You know? Okay. Uh, all all right. right. I think we should talk about getting a lot of this God of War stuff off here. Uh, we have a lot here. And uh, I have to be honest, some of these moments that we have here, I actually didn't like too much. I I, I added a lot of the stuff because I just thought there were moments. Not specifically moments that were the best. Okay. Uh, in that... Because I just feel like that's a moment in this game. So, for example, the Tear Odin twist doesn't I, really, I, I didn't really it. love that. Um, I thought it was like, oh shit, what happened? And then it was kind of like, ah, right. I mean, it wasn't, it, it just felt forced a little bit. So that can go. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, this, this conversation piece, I've heard people say before, but I wholeheartedly agree. I, Ferner's return, uh, um, uh, Fenrir's return is great. The problem is, is that you weren't really invested in him to begin with. So him c- coming back, is cool, but I mean, it just—it's a better thing for for Atreus because it was his his wolf for such a long time. We never we we spend five minutes with him if that, and then you know he loses him. Uh, yeah, and his return just felt kind of like cool, but also, I I don't know if I'm supposed to feel more than just cool here. Yeah, which, I think for me this was probably my favorite moment of God of War to be honest because I think oh, I, it, okay. it was more from a pet owner perspective. Um, you know, I've I've lost pets to you know ailments and age and disease or whatever uh, and you always wish there was a way to bring them back uh you know i can name a couple dogs off the top of my head that i would like you know today bring them back and then put them in the, in the body of another dog and I'm, i'll be good to go i don't care um so this was kind of a this was one that actually hit home for me um because y- you did get that comeback and i thought it was really interesting how they repurposed the boss into what would become a companion and then when um you finally discover that it worked that it is him and then kratos calls him over and and issues commands to him and then this giant menacing dog uh, that you just fought is like obeying the order to stay and you know sit and all that stuff like that to me was like that shit is dope um so i actually loved it it. um so i I, whether or not it's going to make a top two i don't know yet but I think there's other stuff on the God of War list I would get rid of way before this. Um, The first time playing as Atreus, when that when that camera angle shifts to Atreus, and I kind of just stood there for a second, like okay, and like oh wait, I can move him. That was kind of a shocking moment. And uh, on top of that, I like the way that they they move the camera. They keep it they keep it one take, but the perspective change to Atreus, and they do it a, a few other times as well. Low I key, think that's super cool. Low key, not no pun intended, but low key, more fun to play than Kratos. That's just me. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, and I heard people say that Atreus is bad to play with. Are you crazy? No, that game's that was, camera is built yeah. for third person shooting and. That was perfect for that character. He's more nimble, more yeah. agile. I, I loved it actually. I wish I could play as him more than Kratos, to be honest. Yeah. All right. Um, Thor revised Kratos 
is a moment in that game that I didn't expect to see because it's the game is so mm-hmm. serious and so about its 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 story and, and, and it's it's telling an emotional story and this was so gamified like so Kojima esque that just kind of came out of left field. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I did too. Um, I did too. I uh, thought that was dope as I, shit. I, think I, it hang. I I I literally stood up when that happened. I'm like, oh shit! No, they didn't. Yeah. It, yeah. So yeah. I I, I, I actually loved that. Yeah, Kratos versus Bjorn, I think, was a shocking one because it, we found out it was Atreus. I, I must, I had no clue that was going to happen. I could have just been me, naive. Me, uh, yeah, it caught me by surprise. Um, yeah. That was a cool moment. I just don't think we have two spots. I don't think this is going to be one of them. I don't. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, so I know you added the Atreus reunited with Kratos and hugging. Is that the ending part? This was um, this was around the Fenrir return uh, part. Oh when, yeah. Oh yes, when he. When, when when Kratos comes out of the... Uh, oh, yeah, I think, the, yeah, around that time, yeah. He okay. kind of just dropped everything and then ran over to his dad and hugged him. I'm yeah, like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was yep, pretty good. Yep. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. The Atreus and Anger Boda fight versus Grilla. I hated that entire portion of the game. Top to bottom. Really? I hated oh, all wow. of it. I think it was a I slog. Was, I loved it. I, 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 like, I like how it, it, it capped off there. I like the, the, the perspective change because Gorilla's actual giant in terms of height. And I like how everything, it just kind of reminded me that it takes you a little bit. I, I, I thought it was cool. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, a, a moment that stays, sticks around, but it's definitely a moment that I wanted to shout out because I thought okay. it was, I thought it was good. I liked it. Um, right. A moment that is not on here and I don't know if we should add it or not. Cause I don't, you didn't add it. I didn't add it. So maybe not uh, is when Kratos finds out, the back part of the mural and it shows people are, are worshiping him and there was that moment with Odin told him what do you know about being a god you, nobody's ever loved you you've never been worshipped and then you see uh, Kratos gets slightly emotional when he sees that because of his actions that he is now a beloved god uh, which is something he didn't know he I guess he wanted uh, and then seeing that kind of makes it like oh but I don't know what do you think I had a lot of problems with that whole scene um, okay. I think the build up, the faking, the faking out of the, you know, the prophecy of Kratos's death, them reinforcing it all game long, only to get a last minute. Actually, no, he's not going to die because Psych, she lied. Yeah, I- like to me, that just wasn't earned at all. Um, I had a huge problem with it, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah, I did too. I just thought that moment was pretty dope. But I agree. I agree. Okay. Um, um okay. Tale, what do, we, what do you want to do there? What are we thinking? I think Mother's Death and Hugo's Rage is top notch. It was. That I, was th- that was my Last of Us like moment that I was hinting at yeah. you about when you were getting to it. Yeah. That was crazy. The Misia, to me. Hugo and Sophia fighting the source of the Justinian Plague, I thought that was cool. I just thought that's more visually interesting mm-hmm. than in terms of I, I matter of fact, if I'm not it, honestly, that whole Justinian Plague getting out of there and then going into into the mother's death was back to back. It almost feels like a whole moment. But that whole I, back I half of the game, story wise, it, it yeah. hit a different level. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that mother, the mother's death because it showed so much Amicia's bravery and and her willing to basically sacrifice herself for Hugo and and and, and to save her mother. I thought everything she was leading up to and, and everything that we saw with her, kind of like you know, she's kind of losing it, just came to a culmination of like she is losing it, but she's also fucking brave as hell she's yeah. all about protect protecting the ones she loves and i thought i thought that movie i thought that part was it, it was amazing it, it's definitely yeah. stays on there uh hugo's end was nicely done mm-hmm. um and just they kind of take that away a little bit with the end don't they uh with the uh, with the what do you mean like i, I mean it, we know he 
I just felt like we knew what was happening the whole time. Um, I think that the, his end was a little bit. I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna say it was anticlimactic. I thought it was a moment that was gonna happen. I thought leading up to it, when he made Amicia, you literally had to not fight the thing to let go. Like you, you, he literally makes you let go. I just felt the end was was good. I just it doesn't compare to the, her the mother's death and and Hugo's rage. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I thought the end was amazing. You know when you finally have to kill Hugo. Uh, and yeah, you, you yeah, yeah. wind up the sling really slow. Uh, that that was gut wrenching. Uh, I I yeah. thought it would because the whole time you're thinking, surely they're going to come up with a way through this. Surely they are, and they just don't. And there's yeah. the hopelessness that comes with that, and accepting like there is no other alternative now. This is the only option I have. I have to I guess, do it, and I'll do it. I'll, and and she wanted to be the one to do it as his sister. That to me that was like really powerful. I just guess I wanted to sit in that a little longer because then they take you to the epilogue and you have to do you know climb this mountain and and and, mm-hmm. I, and I just I I not like any of that I just thought it would have better if we just stopped there uh, and then the tease at the end was super dope but yeah the All hostage right. standoff yeah that was white hot uh, storytelling right there that's when I think the game finally made a case for itself. Because uh, yeah. the early parts of that game, and as dust falls, that's what we're talking about here, um, was a bit dry, uh, a little, a little bit dry. sus with the voice acting, and we're like, okay, is this going to be worth my time? And then you know the shit hits the fan. There's a hostage standoff, and everything starts coming together with the choices that you're making that are going to have ramifications. I think that that was like the proof of concept for that game. Uh, in a way that I really appreciated uh, and, and enjoyed. And it, that's what gave me confidence to keep playing more of the game and see the rest of it through, which I did. Yeah. Um, it was good. It was a good moment. I mean, we're down to, what is it, seven moments right yeah. now? Um, I think it can go. Um, but I think that that was the highlight of that game, for sure. Okay. Um, let me let me talk about uh, Marvel's Midnight Sun, that seance gone wrong part. Um the whole game is very structured. It is, uh, you wake up, you go do a mission, you come back at night, and you get to interact with the people in the Abbey. That's the game, right? You do different things, you build relationships at night, and you fight in the day. That's the whole game. Until you get to the seance part, where it, it's a part that happens, it's like, hey, go talk to this person, and then you you, you meet in this room, and you're trying to get uh, Wanda back, uh, Scarlet Witch back, and you sit down for a cutscene, that doesn't really happen often throughout the game, and you do a seance, and the seance goes completely uh, wrong, and three characters, you and two other people, get teleported into Banner's lab, who he's been taken over by the bad guy, and it's it's part of the game where it's it, it completely does not follow the structure of how the game goes. Like you're 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 plopped into this fight all of a sudden, and you fight what you, is 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 uh, Wanda for the first time, someone you're trying to rescue, and it's just that entire. Uh, cutscene that leads to that and leads to a boss fight that you were not expecting and not ready for just completely put throws that game on its head and then as the game after that part it was a moment in that game that really kind of throws a catalyst for for marvel's midnight sun in terms of it there is a structure but they are not willing to break it when they need to break it but that was the most like oh my god moment where i'm sitting there i'm playing a very by the numbers um a turn-based strategy game 
a lot like three houses where you go back and you you interact with people and all of a sudden they throw this wrench in the middle of it of it all it's just a really like it's one of those moments that really uh was like shocking to me but it doesn't hang here i just think that was it's just i wasn't expecting that and they they pulled it off pretty beautifully uh but at the other day i think all the other things on this just are are so much better when it comes to moments and sequences okay that sounds interesting though for sure yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's so good. We're down to the bottom, uh, to the to the last five here. To summarize where we're at, we have um, the mother's death and Hugo's rage from a plate tale requiem. Uh, we have three remaining from God of War Ragnarok, which includes Atreus reuniting with Kratos and hugging, uh, Thor reviving Kratos, and Fenrir's return. And then lastly, we have Mio's death and rebirth from Xenoblade Chronicles three. So where do we go next here? I think we're both in agreement here. I think Bio's death and rebirth has to be one or two uh, for me. Okay. Um, it, it just, it, it's, it, we're talking about best moment. Um, and I think that that moment was a combination of a lot of things. In many ways, it was the ending of a lot of things too, when it comes to the things that they were building up story-wise. Uh, and it was, it was as epic as anything you you see in a JRPG game. Yeah, um, it was a very um, bold uh, narrative decision. Uh, yeah. and, and I know on the surface, for people who haven't played it, it sounds like well, it sounds like she died and came back. So all all's well that ends well. No. But there were so many other narrative things that happened around that. Uh, yeah. And we talked about this prison thing. Basically, all these characters have ten years to live, and yeah. her time was almost up. And so yeah. they were all imprisoned. Uh, almost intentionally so, so, so that they can all sit back helplessly and watch the rest of her time run out and die. Um, yeah. And so they isolated her and everything isolated her and wouldn't let her sit with the rest of the, the, of the group. And, you know, it just it was a heartbreaking thing. You, you think the whole time, surely there's going to be some prison escape. Something's going to open up and I'm going to get out of here. And there is none. You just you're uh-uh. just sitting around and watching time fly by, and it's and then it really happens. She does die, and then you find out later there were some things that happened around that. But the emotionality up to that point, like I said, the game left Earth at that point narratively, especially as a JRPG, um, you know, and it, I I think it it is definitely a top two for me as well. And and t- not to not to mention this is Zero Blade Chronicles three is a game of moments mm-hmm. end of chapter three five. Uh, yeah. seven in this instance i mean there's just moments in this game they're like holy shit yeah holy shit and it's exciting to get to the end of the chapter but when you get here to the end of this one it's like oh i'm expecting something epic to happen and then what happens is epic as hell but it's not a, not even close to what i thought was gonna happen yeah i i, I mean for me this is one or two I, I i think when it comes to god of war ragnarok and and, and um thor revives kratos and, and the reuniting and the hugging stuff i look i'm, I'm a new father uh, I think a lot of this stuff really hits home with me, but on uh, uh, as best moments go, um, I don't think I had the same reaction that I had when when I saw Mio's death and her rebirth. That I had, you know, it was just it was just like holy shit, like a, a legitimate, a legitimate right. jaw dropping holy shit moment. Um, here's here's what I think. I, I I love God of War Ragnarok. I think God of War Ragnarok is fantastic. I think it does so much so well. Uh, I didn't expect this, but I think all of the God of War stuff goes, and I think it's between Plague Tale and Xenoblade Chronicles fighting for one and two. This is why we do a show. Um, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think, uh, again, good moments in God of War for sure, but I think you know if, if you really stick to these other two games and you understand the context behind the buildup, 
um, and those the impact of those moments, um, they are game-changing moments for both of those games, respectively. So I would agree. We just need to decide between mother's, the mother's death and Hugo's rage from A Plague Tale or Mio's death and rebirth uh, as far as one and two. Now, what do you think? I'll say, I think this is one of the hardest two we've had to decide on so far because I, I I could see a case for both. If I'm picking in my gut, I'm going with Mio's death and rebirth as my first my first choice. I love all the emotionality from the Plague Tale moment. I have nothing against it. There's just nothing wrong with that scene at all that I can say, oh, well, there was that problem. I just, I was far more engaged and gripped by what happened with Mio in that moment. That's just me, though. But I, I, if we were to go the opposite okay. way, I, I would totally be well, okay with it. Well, here's the thing, though. I, I think I agree because after the Mio's death and rebirth happened, I just couldn't go back to that game for a while. I mean, it took me a long time to go back and finish it. Uh, so it was just kind of more like uh, control put down. I was like, like holy shit mm-hmm. moment. And so it, it took me a while to, to 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 get my bearings and come back to it. So I think, I think that's the right move here. Move here. Okay. I think Mother's Death and Hugo's Rage is exceptional, uh, but I think ultimately in terms of best moment slash sequence, I think Mio's Death and Rebirth has both of those yeah. things. It was one of the best moment of that game, I think, still. Easily. Uh, and uh, the sequence leading up to that, everything was was fantastic. Uh, Mother's Death and Hugo's Rage, you know, it changed the narrative of that game and sure. it took it to the next level. But I feel like, um, you know, I feel like, I feel that's the right choice. Mio's Death and Rebirth being one and uh, runner-up of Mother's Death and Hugo's Rage uh, being there as well. Yeah, and last thing I'll say is, you know, with Xenoblade's moment winning... There, that was hanging over the the game's head, you know, metaphorically speaking, for like fifty hours. So they yeah. they had to deliver. Yeah, that's right. They had to deliver. That's right. Yeah. If, yeah. That, if that didn't this work out, the buildup would yeah. have been catastrophically bad. Um, it wasn't something that we just found out. We knew the yeah. countdown for Mio's death was was from the first hour of that game. We knew that she had the least amount of time left. Right. And you know, secretly, the entire way there. They're trying to figure out a way to have her, you know, live longer. Extend you know, her there's life, a way to yeah. reverse that. Yeah, yeah. extend her life. And, and and the fact that the way that they were able to do that was literally by letting her die. Uh, and other things came. I would want to. I don't think I want to spoil it too much because I think yeah. it, it, it. If if people are listening to this and they like JRPGs and just were kind of intimidated by the length of Xenoblade Chronicles Three, take it from me, a person with probably severe ADHD. It did take me a while to finish the game, but I, I loved. By every minute that I that I play Xenoblade Chronicles, he said 3. probably. <laughs> uh, all right, the best moment or sequence of 2022 goes to Mio's death and rebirth from Xenoblade Chronicles Three, followed up by the very commendable runner-up, the mother's death and Hugo's rage from A Plague Tale Requiem. Um, up next, spoiler conscious uh, continues here. Uh, we have character of the year. These are the characters that excelled in most or all aspects of depth, traits, writing, voice acting, impact, and more. Uh, so another hefty list here. We're going to have to trim down pretty aggressively, Pablo. But let's get started and with quickly, listing yeah. these off. Uh, from a Playtale Requiem, we have five nominations. Lucas, Hugo, Amicia, Sophia, and Arnaud. I think that's how you say his name, Arnaud. Yeah. 
Uh, Vincent from As Dusk Falls, Bayonetta from Bayonetta 3, Lawan from Dying Light 2, Stay Human, Alexander the Jar Warrior from Elden Ring. From, <laughs> from God of War Ragnarok, we have everybody. <laughs> Kratos, Atreus, Freya, Thor, Odin, Angerboda uh, are all nominees there. Uh, we have KK from... Ghostwire Tokyo, Varl from Horizon Forbidden West, Marissa Marcel from Immortality, Kaito from Lost Judgment, The Kaito Files, Magic, I don't know if, I, if that's how you say it. It's just magic. It's just magic. Or Magic from Marvel's Midnight yeah. Suns. I'm not a Marvel guy. Uh, Mikey from Neon White, Neon Yellow from Neon White, Catherine from Norco, Andreas Malay, Maler. Maler, I don't know. It's Maler, yeah. These names, yeah. man, from Pentiment. Uh, Arvin from Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, Guybrush Threepwood from Return to Monkey Island, uh, Gullet from Return to Monkey Island, what's going on, Tyon from Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and Ethel from Xenoblade Chronicles 3. All right. Let me... Guybrush Threepwood and Gullet can go immediately. I love both those characters. Gullet is a zombie poet pirate. Uh, And Guybrush is hilarious, always has been. But I I think they're not going to ride here. Okay. Um, Go ahead. No, you said you got got more? Oh, I got a few more, yeah. Because I had a lot of these. Andres uh, Mahler, he can go. Um, He's really just, it's kind of like, Doing a creative character as the best character, you can you can shape him into being anything you want. Really, a scholar, an asshole, whatever you want. Uh, my, you know, it's kind of like uh, so it, it, that can go. Um, Neon Yellow is interesting, and Mikey are interesting. I, I love Mikey. I really Mikey do like dope. Mikey, but I don't know if gonna, he's going to hang out here. Um, and then, well, I got one more cut here. Magic is great. I think Magic is a very comparable to your character. She's lived in limbo for most of her life. She's a fish out of water. She's very interesting, really well written, and is very sympathetic to your cause. And ha- you have some incredible conversations with her. I mean, there's 55,000 no lines of dialogue in Marvel Midnight Suns. It's all dialogue. It's fantastic, but it- she's not going to hang. Okay. All right, let me go ahead and take a turn here with some uh, aggressive cuts. Bayonetta from Bayonetta 3. Um, underwhelmed by the game. I uh, wish there was more. Um, I, I love her flair, but I think just over top of that awful, disappointing game, I just can't justify having her stay on this list. Okay. Um, I would say uh, Lawan from Dying Light 2. Uh, one of the, I think the game's best character by far, um, played by Rosario Dawson. Yeah, good job with the character. Really, really in-depth character. Reminded me of Jack from Mass Effect 2, uh, yep. which I really appreciated that that kind of um, parallel, but not going to make the cut. Uh, Alexander the Jar Warrior. I think we can... Cool. Let's, I like him. He's so... But he can go. Let, I mean, yeah, we could probably send him it, packing. It's, it's the most craziest character that they've made where it's just a big ass fucking jar and when you look learn about his history which is gross they eat like bodies and then they consume their blood to, it's ridiculous but yeah anyway yeah somebody's uh, eating dinner right now listening to this podcast and they just they just spit out their their sub yeah um all right uh moving on okay kk from ghostwire tokyo he is the 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 cop that is kind of a part of the the main character um throughout the course of the game they they form a great relationship together and he becomes a really really dope guy that uh i actually really enjoyed kind of it was almost like a buddy cop story in a sense and he was really cool but not going to make the cut yeah he's one k away from being problematic though okay see that's that's where we have to take a break Put the intermission music on. Uh, All right. Varl from Horizon Forbidden West. I think he was one of the best characters in the series. Um, Spoilers. 
he gets murdered, um, which was super tragic. Uh, I, I loved this character, though. I thought he was super awesome. I would have loved to have played a spinoff game with this guy. That's how much I liked him. But uh, unfortunately, gone too soon. But shout out to you, Varl. You were pretty dope. Um, I know I'm kind of on a roll here, but let me just kind of throw Marissa Marcel from Immortality in the, in the mix here. Uh, the, the acting skills that she had to do for a game that was an FMV type of experience um, was, to me, sensational. I think she had to play a lot of characters within a character. Uh, and then this whole supernatural side of her character that was also happening because of the plot twist in the game, which there's no reason to spoil much of that and if it's not yeah. going to be relevant. But um, she was juggling a lot of different characters at the same time. And, and to pull all that off and to be a relatively unknown act- actress in, in this space or anywhere is pretty in- incredible. So they did a great job casting her, and I think she brought... You don't think she stays out? She's old out? She no, I don't think so. Um, I, I think there was just more dimension... Um, from other characters, um, but I, I do uh, I do appreciate the chops that she had in making all these little sub characters work in this particular game. Let's uh, let's cut down these God of War characters. Let's we should we have uh, seventy nine of them hoes. No, we don't. Um, okay, but I I offer up uh, Odin. Um, I'm not a fan of Odin's uh, characterization. I, I I heard a lot of the podcasts. I understand why he is the way he is. I think it's interesting. I think it's a cool concept. I just, I think the voice actor, I forget his name. Uh, I think he does a, a Richard something, but he does a great job with Odin in terms of what yeah. they were going for. It's just, he's not my favorite in terms of his characterization. I agree. Um, Boda, yep. I like her quite a bit. I thought she was cool, but she's like very, you don't like her at all? Nope. I, I loved her, I, but I think she's very one-on-one with Atreus. I think they do, they, they encompass a lot if of If I had stuff. to hear her sing to that damn lamb sheep thing we were riding one more time. <laughs> oh my God. Get that <laughs> shit out of here. You better not have re- reverb to that either. Don't write nothing no. down. I want to see hands no, up. But I, 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 I liked her quite a bit. I like her. Um, I thought she was uh, super uh, interesting. but um, I'm going to be controversial here, bro. Yeah, I agree. None of them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think. Although, wait, hold on. I would keep a. Tr- I would keep Kratos. I think I. How could- about Thor? My problem with Thor, it has nothing to do with Thor. It has the way that they undercut the shit out of him towards the end of that game. I mean, interesting buildup in 2018. You tease Thor, and then you finally see him. I think I like it. I, I know I like his design. I think it, it's 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 you know it's fire design. It's, it's great design. I think his story about his alcohol, his uh, alcoholism, and his uh, him trying to be a better father, and and his relationship. Uh, That's where it lost relationships. Me. And and his relationships with his with his father as well. I, I I liked all that. I just think they undercut it at the end with Odin. Spoiler alert: Odin just uh, unceremoniously just kills him, like out of anger. Like it just it was just a waste. So much of of the gods in this game are a waste to me. They're overly humanized. I mean, I don't think we needed to see a fumbling alcoholic Thor. I I I I get it. I get what they were going for, but it just became it became too heavy-handed. It was like, uh, okay, can a god be a god in this game, or does everybody have yeah. to be this irreparably flawed, damn near human type of person? I just felt like Thor was a missed opportunity all around. Um, oh, I, think, I, think- I think if they could have done something to the effect of what they did for Baldur in the first game, or the, or the reboot... I would have been much happier, but it just turned into like he was in the, he was the coolest in the beginning of the game, and I think it always went downhill after that. 
Uh, I, I don't know. I think a, the commentary about the game is that a lot of these gods are perceived as these incredible figures, but when you know them, get to know them, they are just flawed individuals. And I and I, and I know that you probably didn't like that as much, but I, I, I actually found that to be pretty cool. I, I actually had a problem with Boulder in the first game where he just felt like Superman to me. And like there wasn't really a lot there. Towards the end, of course, you get that some of the emotional stuff out there, but it that felt a little forced for me. I think that from the onset, showing Odin the way Odin was, showing Thor the way that he was and, and how he devolved into what he was i just felt like the entire thing is like these gods are portrayed as these incredible figures but in reality they're not and, and that's something that kratos has always thought of you know in throughout his whole uh, entire uh, career of killing gods is that these are just fucking flawed pieces of shit and i think that they they go a lot with thorn and i like what they do there with him i just i feel like he can't be on the list because i don't think he gets he doesn't get his, his his he does nothing comes back to him. There's nothing. The story never ends for with him. I mean, he dies as a as a as a fell he fell off the wagon, alcoholic, not so great dad, not so great husband, and daddy issues, and just gets killed by his dad for you know just because his dad, who's an all powerful god, it gets really really mad at him. Like, it's so stupid. Um, so I, I'd say Kratos can stay, uh, but Atreus, Freya, Thor, and Thor can probably all go. Yeah, I would agree. Um, um, Arvin right. from Pokemon Scarlet yeah. uh, uh, Violet. I think he's the best character in that game. I think he goes through so much shit, mommy issues, daddy issues, depending on the version of the game that you get. Uh, and the, his characterization, I think, he goes from being a jerk to being a very sympathetic figure, and they do a really good job with that. But he doesn't hang. Yeah, and I would say Catherine from Norco is another cut as well. Um, the way her character is depicted is incredible in this game. I thought it was really awesome. She is that character that everybody in the town knows and reveres. She just has that air about her. And somehow they manage through the writing to to prove it to you as to why. She just has a certain charisma about her through her dialogue, which is not voiced at all. None of the thing, nothing in this game is voiced, right, but right. it just comes through in a way where you're like, ah, I get it. I, I get why she is Catherine around there, you know? But... Um, too many other powerful players on this list of characters that we have here, so I think she's a cut. Um, okay. We do have a fair amount of people from A Plague Tale. Five to be exact. What are we thinking I, there? I think I think this is uh, between Hugo and Amicia, and I think Luke, Sophia, and Arnaud uh, yeah. are gone. I'm, I'm I, I, I mean, I, I like Sophia quite a bit. Yeah, and Lucas I, is probably my... my my favorite non-main character in the game, but I, th- I think yeah. you're right. All three of them can go. Uh, th- probably Lucas. He, he is missing from a big part of the game yeah. um, as well. But um, All right. let's make a cut now. Hugo or Amicia? I think Hugo for me. I agree. Hugo yeah. was a great character. I think that playing into his, his naive nature, um, his anger issues, his impatience, I think all that stuff was really well done. I think the character really thrived when it came to people kind of walking on eggshells around him a little bit, like kind of fearing him a little bit and him kind of him knowing a bit of that and understanding it in a very childlike way. Like, Oh, y'all are kind of, y'all are afraid of me a little bit. You know what I can do. I thought that was really interesting nuance, but compared to Amicia, I just don't think he can hang. Yeah. Yeah. Amicia just really is. is, Amicia just another level. Another level, yeah, 100%. So we're down to six, Pablo. We have Amicia from A Plague Tale. We have Vincent from As Dusk Falls. Kratos from You Nowhere. Kaito from Lost Judgment, The Kaito Files. And we have Tyon and Ethel from Xenoblade Chronicles 3. So, okay. 
Kaito for me is a character that in the first uh, Judgment game was kind of lame. And then even in Lost Judgment, he was a little bit lame as well. But then they 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 throw out the Kaito files, and they are they were trying very hard to make Kaito a likable figure. And man, did they do it! They they, did. they killed that shit. I mean, Kaito is, I think in in in, in for me, is more I, I like it more than than Yagami now, uh, which oh, is the main character uh, of the first game. Uh, and you know all the legal issues happening with the character who does, does Yagami. If they're gonna keep on going with Judgment with Kaito, I am there all the way. I think that this bit of DLC story DLC was fantastic. I think it was among the best stories of the year as well. And I find I think Kaito hangs. I think he yeah. I think he hangs honestly. Yeah. Okay. So I I agree. Let me go ahead and in provide two sacrifices here. I think both the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 characters here are, are really good, um, but I I don't think they're going to make it against the, what's left over. I just don't. With two I, I, spots to I go, think- uh, there's no way I see Tyon or Ethel putting uh, Amicia or, or any of these other people out. And, and the, so the honest truth is Tyon and, and Ethel are my favorites of the game, but it's such an ensemble cast. It is. They all make each other stronger collectively. I exactly. think individually they're a little harder to pick out of the bunch and go, that's the person, you know? Yeah. Um, I think Tyon is the most complex one. I think his story is, is the best one yeah. out of all of them in terms of what he had to go through. Totally agree. Uh, but, but yeah, it's just unfortunately, it, it's such an ensemble yeah. uh, affair that it, it'd be a little unfair to pick one out because it would be it would be telling the whole story. Definitely. Um, all right. Vincent. Vincent, Yes. I love Vincent as a character. Um, I thought that his dimension. I love it, Adam Jensen. Yeah, Adam Jensen's voice actor. Um, it, it was what it wasn't what we asked for, but it's what we got. If you know, you know. <laughs> um, I thought that his role as a father in the family uh, was incredible. I thought that what he went through with his backstory of his wife finding out his wife was cheating, um, protecting his family. His his complicated relationship with his father, um, I think all of these things came together really beautifully in that story. The problem was, I wish there was more of that guy in the rest of the story. He's really not the main character in like the second whole half of that game. It goes to the boy and other stuff, and I just wanted more of him. And I think in terms of presence, the other games, the people that we have on this list, compared to Vincent... More of a presence, more emotional range and impact yeah. than, than what he brought, unfortunately. And I, and I, here's my thing with that, though. I think Vince stands out because he's an exper- the, the the man behind his voice is an experienced voice actor. And I'll be quite honest with you, everybody else in that game was pretty dreadful, uh, voice acting-wise. Yeah. And I felt yeah. like you know he stands out in that way. He was a bright and spot, also, yeah. There, yeah, there are moments of Vince's story that can be completely missed based on certain decisions that Very you've made. Very true. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I love him myself. I think he is my favorite character. He would put through the ringer in that game, especially that first half of the game. A lot of the, a lot of what happens throughout that game <coughs> is, 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 is he's the inception. He's a genesis point. Like a lot of his decisions bear out later on. So. Uh, but I like, but I, I do think that uh, the three characters on here are probably the ones that should be on here. Okay. Um, yeah. I think I think we're gonna say the same thing here. I think Amicia is a lock. Yeah. I think Amicia is a hundred percent a lock. I think this is Kratos versus Kaito. And and how how yeah. how cool down do we want to get with this one? 
<laughs> because I think it's our. I think it's okay. I, okay, you don't you. I think we have to be true to ourselves in terms of what we actually enjoyed and one of the things that we were the most impressed about besides the story was the characterization of Kato uh Kaito uh and I feel for me uh Kaito is would probably should be on the on one of the two here uh I just feel he came a long way from being the sidekick and kind of you know this 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 the the enforcer of the group to being a a sympathetic character that has mm. a lot going for him and can carry the franchise beyond uh lost judgment kratos is great i love kratos my problem with kratos is not a problem at all it's just you know it's more of the same from the first game which is is isn't exactly a fair uh, thing in, I mean, in terms of hit against it. It's a different kind of evolution, I think, for him because I think he was loosening his grip uh, in, in, in terms of letting Atreus flourish and, and kind of following his lead and learning yeah. how to step back and show support for his son, even when he knows his son's going to fall on his face, you know? So I think it was a different kind of um, evolution compared to Kaito. Uh, Kaito's was much more obvious. I mean, this was somebody that just could have been like a freaking NPC, uh, just a general NPC you run into any Yakuza game ever and became like somebody that was like, well, I could I could play a game with him on the cover and and okay. feel perfectly fine. So I don't Here's know here. Thing, I, I I'm leaning actually towards Kratos myself. Yeah, because let's look at all, all of it. The and, and you have written out here, and we can use this as our, our barometer here. The aspects of death, I think Kratos is is has a better uh, in terms of it's I think trait traits wise also Kratos writing. I mean, it's 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 God of War. Yes. Um, Voice, voice acting, it, it's Christopher Judge yeah. and, and Kratos. The impact, uh, you know, again, Kaito is going to probably take over this franchise, and he, he went from, like you said, what could have been a nobody NPC to mm-hmm. a real life, uh, or, uh, I mean, an actual choice for th- him to be the lead of the series. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I agree. I, I, I think Kaito got a lot of shine here, but it, it would be a little bit crazy uh, if there was a comeback player of way. the year award on our show, yeah, and, like the, like the NBA, Kaito would get that in spades. I think, yeah. to me, Amicia and Kratos just holistically represented the best of, of characterization this year, in my opinion. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I think that this is, I think it's Amicia as the winner and Kratos as the runner. I agree. I totally yeah. agree. Yep. People that just, you know, if if you're not familiar with the Plague Tale, you really need to play it. Um, it's on Game Pass. Because yeah, it's on Game Pass and it's worth it. Even if you don't have Game Pass, I think it's it's a worthwhile game to play. That character is is very special. Um, you know, yeah. if you think the whole father son dynamic is 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 important, the sibling dynamic I think is is a surprisingly an equally complex relationship um, that they tapped into in a masterful way. Um, it was truly. Um, riveting stuff to see how her reassurances to her brother of no we're going to find a way it, it, you know if you've ever told somebody it's going to be all right 
but you never knew if it was really going to be all right. That's what a lot of that her character is. It was that the false assurances and, but also being vulnerable and scared and not knowing what to do and how to make it all happen for him and to still try to find pockets of time to, to show him a good life and things like that. As a sister, that's, that's a different type of challenge than what a father or a parent would, would have to go through. And I think yeah, that yeah. they, they harness that beautifully in that game. So I think she is the winner. Um, so yes, character of the year in 2022 is Amicia from a Plague Tale Requiem. Pablo, do you want to say her name one one last time before we? You want to Hugo? Amicia. <laughs> God Almighty! Um, hey, you guys got to play that game. You'll understand what's going you do. on. There. Yes, you exactly do. Um, and the runner-up is Kratos from God of War Ragnarok. All right, moving on. Kratos. Oh, okay. Sorry. Kratos. <laughs> um, we have best story. These are the storylines that excelled in most or all aspects of depth, writing, characterization, acting, impact, and more. Um, now, you know, I think before we read off the nominees, Pablo, we've already kind of talked about a lot of these stories through the yeah, last yeah. few categories, so I don't think a lot bears repeating. Um, no. But still, we'll give these games their shine if we have to. But here are the nominees. A Plague Tale Requiem. I, the Somnium Files, Nirvana Initiative. As Dusk Falls. God of War Ragnarok. Elden Ring, Immortality, you a cold piece of work, Lost Judgment, The Kaito Files, I never say cold piece of work, what happened there, Marvel's <laughs> Midnight Sun, it's like a 60 year old thing to say, uh, 1960s cop, tell you a cold piece of work, <laughs> you a jive ass uh, turkey, uh, where where we leave off, you screwed me Marvel up, Midnight Marvel's Midnight Suns, Norco, Pentiment, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, Return to Monkey Island, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles Three. Pablo, if you don't, if you don't cut, <laughs> the- look, I, I I I added Elden Ring just to say that there are story moments in that game that are really cool. Um, you know the the consequences of burning the Earth Tree and that story leading up to that. Everything, all that is really for me gobbledygook. Uh, really. Yeah, but I, I don't. I, I think as a whole, the game could be that. But I think in terms of those moments, I really enjoyed uh, a lot of those moments, especially when you find out that the Earth Tree is a parasite that's been feeding off the, the world and all never, that stuff. I, I never knew. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> but I and then there's a whole story where you marry R- Radana. It, it, there's a lot of cool shit there. Uh, I just wanted to kind of give it a quick shout out, but it, it was definitely gonna be my Get first that shit uh, off elimination. <laughs> It's just I, I would I just I would say that I think a lot has been made about the story or lack of story, but there are stories tidbits in there. Uh, it's just that's the way that they they tell their story. So uh, you don't have to I, I be a fan it. of that, but there are stories there. To, to I just to, think that that, that, that game's told. narrative is arrogantly bad. It is this like very teasing, cryptic. Don't you wish you knew what I meant when I said the the thing type of, of storytelling? That to me, if you're going to create a new fantasy world like that and create lore and collaborate with um, whoever that dude is, George R. R. Martin, you're going to mm-hmm. create all this backstory just to tell the same gobbledygook ass story that you've told in all kinds of other shit you've done in the past. Like to me, it was just a yeah, missed opportunity mean- to create something new, something that is fucking something you can comprehend you know like just on a basic level what is going on what am i here to do like after a while i didn't even care about the story anymore and i i I I always care about the story yeah but that's the thing about the game is i don't disagree with anything you said but i think that uh the the games 
other focuses are about the your own journey, creating your own story, or going through the your discoveries and whatnot of the world itself. So I, I think that within itself is you know contextual storytelling, but it's not in a way where they wrote a story out for you to follow perfectly because it is it is actively bad. But I, I don't think that I don't think that that Elden Ring in terms of ultimately probably could have been great in terms of you had a story but i don't think Elden ring needed a story to be as good as it is right now but okay. it doesn't it doesn't hang in this, this category at all um let me let me throw a few cuts out there uh i'll cut immortality i thought that the the creativity behind the concept of this game was really impressive i think the the act of playing through that experience was a little too loosey-goosey for me, and I wish that there was something I, a little bit more on rails to kind of guide you in a better way through that story. I tried playing that again recently, uh, gearing up for this, and I'll be honest, I was just lost. I, what do I do next? What, mm-hmm. what do I cut? What Am I supposed to pause? What, what's happening here? I just didn't really... It, it, it's hard to, to get his hooks in me, and I just had no idea. The game is essentially, on. it's 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 kind of tantamount to like, if somebody were to give you a bin of old VHS tapes and say, there is a there is a supernatural murder thing that's happening that you if you if you look through all these tapes, you'll find the clues. That's kind of the premise of the game, but digitally. Um, and, yeah. and that's very open-ended and, and, like I said, very loosey-goosey because you just don't know where to begin and know what you're trying to find out. But as you keep discovering more and more little pieces of the puzzle, um, the dots start to connect little by little, and it becomes a very yeah. captivating case that you're figuring out. But it's not enough to hang here. So you got, yeah. you got Pokemon Scarlet and Violet highlighted on our docket. Yeah, I think I think a lot like Elden Ring, this game has really cool stories in other places that it's not the main story. Um, you know, the, okay. uh, so I I can get rid of it now. I I, okay. I like everything with Arvin and and the Titans. I thought that was really cool. It's, uh, speaking of losing an animal and, and all that stuff, everything he's doing was to kind of rescue his dog and and and, and you know. Get back at mommy, but um, <laughs> it, it was it was good, but it just it's not gonna hang here. Okay. Um, Return to Monkey Island. I love that game. I love the ending of that game. I feel everything that it was trying to do. I thought it was fantastic from top to bottom. It just doesn't hang because uh, there are other stories on here that I liked more, especially since we're only doing two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll cut stray. Um, Stray's storytelling I wanted to give a special shout out to because not every good story needs to have an abundance of dialogue. I think there's such a thing as great games that tell good contextual stories um, that rely on more implications than anything outright and direct. And I think Stray is a great example of that through uh, the way that it shows you the world and uh, what happened to these robotic creatures after the human race was was uh, killed off and how they're still trying to carry on life and, and kind of living in a way that is kind of an ode to humans, even though they don't necessarily yeah. understand why um, they're doing what they're doing or why humans like certain things. And I just thought that was a really interesting way to uh, yeah. pepper in a really a, a, a nice little story and not just make it about a cat playing around in uh, a quiet, run-down, you know, uh, metro- metropolis-looking area. Um, yeah. But not enough to hang here, but... Special shout out for that for that brand of storytelling in particular. Yeah. I think, uh, I think uh, it's worth saying. Pentiment can go. I think Pentiment has really cool story, uh, especially spoiler here after the murder mystery happens, and then mm-hmm. you try to figure that out. And that third act is really cool. But I, I just think that at the end of the, of the day, I, their stories are purely story based. Narratives, they're better narratives uh, in the game. Okay, there's one game on this list, Pablo, that I just don't like. 
What's that? I, the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. I thought that oh, was a huge step that. backwards from the original game. Uh, I know you like that game a lot. I'd yeah. like to hear you talk to me about that and to see if there's any possible way that can it can be a top two. No, there's no possible way that the I Somnium Files could be a top two. I, I liked a lot of the story uh, of the game. My problem with it ultimately is just when you were in those Somnium Files and and you were trying to re- re- extract those. Uh, story elements. It was painful as hell to do. Um, and then ultimately, the stuff that started coming together, mystery wise, it just kind of fell apart there towards the end. Yeah. Um, I I don't think that it, it hangs here. I I love it. I I I, I think it's I, it's it's one of my favorite games of the year. I think. Um, but I just ultimately, when you look at it as a whole, and you look at what this category is, I Somnium Files. You know, it's a bit it's a bit segmented, and it feels a little off sometimes. So we can definitely uh, come off of Got it. Got you. All right, so that leaves us with Plague Tale Requiem, As Dusk Falls, God of War Ragnarok, Lost Judgment, The Kaito Files, Marvel's Midnight Suns, Norco, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, let me offer up here Marvel's Midnight Suns. I think okay. that this fifth, over 55,000 dialogue lines, game is, is, is a lot more story than you think. Um, I think it's written well. It does the thing that Gardens of the Galaxy did where it, it presents these known characters that you've known from MCU uh, and all the TV shows, and it makes their own versions of them to a point that actually I feel work better than than the ones in the MCU. They're more true to the to, to what they are, and they're flawed in ways that you uh, always knew they were flawed. They're not interested in being cool they're just interested in being real to the to their character and i love that about this game mm. i think a lot of the stuff that they do with the hunter a lot of stuff that they do with kind of some just relationships in the game uh blade characterizations and magic characters specifically are really cool characters uh and the whole the whole story I, you know your mother lilith is taking over and, and, and kind of poisoning the world and and I, I a lot of that stuff really works well with banner relationship with banner and 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 uh, and Tony Stark, all that stuff it is. There's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, shocking to me, I think it's for me one of the biggest surprises of the year as well as to how much there is here story wise. But it doesn't hang here ultimately. It's still just a Marvel MCU kind of thing. Okay. It doesn't ever reach the depths or the or or the things that Guardians of the Galaxy ever did. But I I, I think it's it's right up there with it though. Okay, got you. All right. Um... I'll, I'll throw my baby into the pile here. Uh, Norco. Um, mm. I think this game's surrealist sci-fi southern vibe is just, it's its masterful to me. I think it is, uh, and I don't say that lightly, I think this game's story kind of blew me away just because of how well they make the weird stuff work together. Um, and, and to just keep me captivated at all times with, with really thoughtful ideas, um, that, uh, really made me just locked in, in, in a genre with a point and click games that I would normally, you know, put a lot of thought into very much. Um, it was a game that was reviewed very highly this year, eventually made its way to consoles and I downloaded it thinking it was going to be another one of those play it for 10 minutes and okay, that's, I, I see it, but it's not for me kind of things like Citizen Sleeper almost, but it, it gripped me from beginning to end, I have to say, but it, compared to other stuff, it, 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 it didn't surpass some of the other games on this list, yeah. so I, I just yeah. can't justify it. Um, so that okay. leaves us with, what are we at, five now? Yes, we're down to yeah. five games. Pablo, what are we thinking here? Hmm. As Dust Falls is great, but it falls apart, Ooh. is my problem. 
Uh, I think that the ending of that game yeah. is no, you're right. actively bad. Uh, you're right. And it sucks because there were so many good things about the game that worked really well. Yep. And I, 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 lo- I like the game quite a bit. Uh, and I want to see more of it. I want to see a sequel to it. I, I liked everything they did. I, the setup for what's coming next could be interesting. But I just it just felt a little bit incomplete there towards the end. Okay. That leaves us with Plague Tale, God of War, Lost Judgment, Kaido Files, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. <laughs> this is hard. This is, yeah. Okay. I mean, I can make a compelling argument about Ragnarok's story not deserving to be in the top two. I can. Again, I know people are going to want to Go fight ahead. me with their hands about that. Um, I think that the, the, the biggest offense to me let me just get, and I mentioned it earlier with the mural conversation we had, is the the unearned bait and switch. It was very Bush League Kojima type of stuff where they tell you, no, this is what's going to happen, and we're going to create a series of events and have you encounter a series of characters that do nothing but confirm that this is inevitable and going to happen. Only at the last minute for what to me felt like a really unearned, uh, actually, never mind. Kind of 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 development that yes made it a nice touching moment yep. for Kratos because he gets to a he gets to live and he gets to be you know revered and worshipped. That's nice for him, but you hung this over our heads and it felt to me like there was really no intention of 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 going there, so to speak. And maybe that's a bit of of me being naive. Maybe I should have thought about it from a, a larger point of view of like, okay, would Sony really let Kratos die and lose their most iconic character? Wouldn't they want to veto that after they saw what happened with Joel with The Last of Us? Like maybe there's something a little bit more going on. Uh, maybe they wanted to get rid of Kratos, but they couldn't because Sony was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't know about all that, man. But I, I just think either way you cut it, when you went to visit the Fates, when you saw all those fucking murals everywhere, Anger Boat is talking about it. It's like, okay, well then commit to it. Or, or if you're not, then at least bring me to the this revelation in a better way. Not the last second of, ooh, look at this mural that just so happens to be here. Like... And you just missed it. Um, yeah. Look, I think the saving grace of God of War Ragnarok is Kratos' relationship with Atreus and everything they do when it comes to uh, a son being a son, a father being a father, a uh, father being, you know, a, a figure in which his son can look up to and, and a son making his father proud. All that stuff is top-notch and really saves God of War Ragnarok. Here's the problem. This game is called God of War Ragnarok, and there wasn't a lot of Ragnarok Where going on. And at the, the very fuck end was of- Ragnarok? And at the very end of the game, when everything was going down, uh, I never felt an epic everybody's here moment. And obviously, everybody was there. Uh, you saw uh, the, the, the the world serpent on, on the corner doing his yeah. thing. It just felt... that None of that felt good. None of that felt special. None of that felt oh, even... Oh, man. Good, that was like, such a dud like, well of, a, of a battle. It, it was just like, oh, that's the thing from the... Okay, yeah, yeah. And then at the very end, when you come down to it, you're about to enter... Um, the area where Odin's at, it's right down back to the the four or five people that you've been seeing all game just standing there. I guess these were the only people who survived the battle. It it, it just was, it just was, it it felt like a movie set, a faux epic uh, event where mm-hmm. all these things were happening around you, but all said and done, it was always just four people <laughs> there. Yeah, and it just never felt grand grandiose. And the way they talked about it, like this was the end. 
of 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 it all. Ragnarok was happening, and honestly, even after playing the game and understanding a lot of what the game is about, I don't quite understand why Ragnarok didn't happen um, or certain aspects. I don't, you know, it just kind of just didn't. It just stopped because I guess it ha- was it was specific to Odin. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I've, the, I've called this thing- game narratively toothless for more than one reason, and that is one of yeah. the reasons. I just felt like that was the a names, very limp yeah. rendition of Ragnarok to me that did not yeah. live up to expectations with the the grandiose nature of this series. It it fell and grossly you- short to me. And when you look at a, at a, and this is an unfair comparison, but when you look at Marvel's uh, Ragnarok, which Thor film, which is an out and out comedy, the end of that of that of that of that movie ends with his planet blowing up. Yeah, there was a consequence there that God of War Ragnarok did not have. Sure, and I'm glad you actually brought that up because I think people are going to hear that and go, "Well, obviously they're not trying to be a Marvel movie." Yes, but there is such a thing as oversteering. And I think this yeah. game oversteered significantly in trying to be such the polar opposite of what we think from the MCU kind of stuff is yeah. a Ragnarok event or a Thor or whoever, that it almost lost a lot of its edge and it lost yeah. a lot of the steam of like the buildup. When you're going to call this game God of War Ragnarok and it takes you fucking 30 hours to get to Ragnarok, it's some condensed, you know, light diet version of Ragnarok that ends in a weird note, which we didn't even get to as well, like with the ending there, you don't even see how the whole war wraps up because people get knocked right. out and then you just wind up in this cavern with the mural that tells you the real story. It, it's very lackluster um, finality to what was um, it, you know, a lot of buildup throughout that game. And also like the whole story from 2018 with the world server being punched back through time and then that shit happening off screen in like a corner, like I don't like the, the off fuck? screen bullshit, man. I Look, I yeah, I, it's I, great, I it's, also it's, the, the story ain't bad. Don't get me wrong. We're not saying it's 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 in this top four, but dog. But also, and it, and also at the very end when you wake up and you happen to just walk through a cor- corridor of people just waiting to congratulate you. <laughs> I, the whole time I thought it was a, a dream. This is a dream. Something it happened. It seemed he, he like died. Yeah. Atreus is dead. He's in Valhalla or something. And this is just a depiction. Nope. 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 He just hit his hand real hard and people waited for him to say and then, thank you. And then you. he got up and knew that he had to leave. He had to go embark yeah. on his own. He just knew. He just knew. Yeah, I didn't know what happened with Ragnarok, but he woke up, came this, to, and then knew what he had to do, and, and he left Kratos yeah. immediately after, yeah, like think, five minutes after waking up from a grade two concussion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God of War Ragnarok, I think, in retrospect, is actually an easy cut here. And just so we're clear, I think God of War twenty eighteen is leagues better than 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 Ragnarok. It's uh, tough, man. But all right, all right. Uh, let's make this quick. This this cut quick here. Um, I like the Kaido files a lot. But I think there's just more story. I don't fault the game for being DLC. You know, I'm not taking that yeah. against the game. It's a five, six hour game. It doesn't need to be more than that. But I think that there's just but more impact, was, more dimension in Xenoblade and Plague Tale, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the kind of files could have been, um, it, it, it could have been fleshed out and been a whole ass sequel. That would have been beautiful. And I think would have had a lot more. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it definitely leaves me wanting more from this and I hope that they do more mm-hmm. um, so we will see uh, but yeah I think that it's Plague Tale Requiem and Needlebed Chronicles 3 now what do you what are you thinking about winner and runner up um, I would say Plague Tale personally as a winner yeah 
I yeah. think um, pound yeah. for pound, I just love the the themes they touched on with like the hopelessness and not knowing what to do next, running out of options, hitting dead ends. I think a lot of people got got mad at the game because well, we did all that for nothing. But that is a narrative device. Not everything that you do is always going to be fruitful or or lead yeah. to answers that you want or answers at all. And I think this game tackled that in a really awesome way that I don't see a lot of games try to do. Usually in video games, there's always something you get at the end of doing something and this game was bold enough to say uh yeah no that was a waste of time how about that yeah and it's and and, it's not cheap it's it's earned you know what i mean like there was build up and and hope and you know hugo's dreams and visions like of the island and then getting there it's like this is nothing the fuck like that but it's cool that they actually had the balls to say no we're gonna subvert your expectations it's not it's not that it's not a it's not a beautiful ending it's the fucked up ending you know and i love that they did that so that's and also I, I like the I like the, the the theme of of kind of running away from from something that you know you have to do that's like true. everywhere that Hugo and Amicia went Hugo brought the rat he destroyed everything he walked on because that was just his nature yep. and I like that at the very end of it in order for that to stop he had to die you know and it was just it's sad it's heartbreaking but her keep trying to run away from her problems by taking uh, Hugo with her was just making more problems for everybody. Yeah. And so yeah. I like that the ending was what it was. And super excited for the future of that. Um, of that Because it yeah. looks like it's going to be in the future. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, I would just say for Xenoblade, um, the, the one fault that I give that game is I thought some of the villains were a little too mustache twirly at times. Oh, yeah. Um, Got a little, got a little anime in, in certain moments there, which is, you know, it's par for the course. But also, I think with how well everything else was written, I think the villains in that game were a little bit of a letdown. Um, so I, I, I yeah. hoped for a bit more there. Uh, I and I will say that I think narratively the game peaked a little bit with Mio's death and rebirth. Yeah. I think everything that came after that was very good. For sure, it just was never as good. Yeah, um, as everything else. Yeah. All right, so with that being said, Pablo, the best story of 2022 goes out to A Plague Tale Requiem with the runner-up being Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Up next, Pablo, is a brand new category that we're introducing in this year's Game of the Year Awards, and that is the middest game of the year. This category is dedicated to the best and most aggressively okay games of 2022, according to our personal and combined beliefs. The nominees are as follows. Bright Memory Infinite, Dying Light 2, Stay Human, Gran Turismo 7, High on Life, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, Kirby in the Forgotten Land, Mario plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, Metal Hellsinger, Rainbow Six Extraction, Sifu, Shadow Warrior 3, and Sniper Elite 5. Yeah. The Battle of the um, Mids. What are we thinking, man? I think Rainbow Six Extraction could go. I mean, we, we, we said already in the show it's our second favorite multiplayer experience of the year. Uh, we didn't really have a lot of expectations for the game to begin with. And the fact that it was decent enough, I think that, I, you know, is it mid? Yeah. But is it the middest? No, nah, I don't think so. Well, I mean, we're thinking about this from a standpoint of the best mid game, right? Yeah. So but I, do you think... But I, I, 
I, I think it doesn't hang still, though. Okay, I, I think okay. it's one make yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. I just it got its due in the multiplayer stuff. But I just it. don't think it hangs here. Okay. Um, okay. Um. All right. I'm gonna throw Sniper Elite Five into the pile here. I was actually, and we'll talk about it later on. But I was actually kind of disappointed with this one. I think five games mm. in, I think they're still just trying to make the best first game in the series, if that makes sense. And um, I thought this was a good job at that, but um, I think that is one of the most bland games I've ever played. I disagree. I like that game quite a bit. I had a blast playing it. I I just don't... For me, I guess for you, my question is, I don't know, five games in, I don't know what... (laughs) <laughs> what expectations you may have about the game itself. Well, the expectation I, would mostly be, you know, you're five games in, right? And I, I understand this game is not necessarily trying to hang its hat on storytelling, but can you make something that is somewhat fucking interesting? I mean, at five see, games in, I, did, I mean, yeah. it's, and to me, it was also a case of like the same bag of tricks too. Yes, the the sniper cams are cool and gory and very Mortal Kombat-y, but... I mean, we're just kind of seeing slightly better versions of the same well, shit five games in now. Okay, well, I liked I like all the Cyber League games, so that's the me thing. But Cyber League Five was a huge change in that it all those levels were open ended, like in in ways that none of the games have ever been open ended. Uh, open ended. Uh, I mean, these massive layouts that you can tackle any way you want, they're all there for the taking. Um, I I I think Cyber League Five is the best of the series. I think. It's not a great game, but I think it, it. I think it hangs here for Midas Game of the Year because it, it does a lot to the formula in a way where it makes for me it is the best of the series. I mean, those 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 moments are just, especially when you see the sheer scope of some of those level designs. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Uh, when you look we'll keep at it, it on. I just don't know, man. I I don't know about that one. Um, how about Bright Memory Infinite? I I I just don't think <clears throat> oh, yeah, that, that one go. is. Yeah, that can go. I mean, it's a mid as a game, but it it ain't the best. It's the, the best. it's the wrong kind of mid, I think, for me. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Um. All right. What do you? I mean. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Um, Metal Hell Singer, I think, can go. Um, I think it is very good at its gimmick, but I think all it is is its gimmick. And that's okay. To me, that just equates to a very mid game, but I don't think it's the best mid on this list. Yeah. So I'll cut it. Shadow Warrior 3 was a, a nice slow surprise, but I don't think it, it hangs here. Okay. Um, I, I, I like Mario Rabbits, Kirby Forgotten Land, and Dying Light 2 Stay Human more than I like Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, oh, I got a plot twist for you. Uh-huh. Um, I recently came back to Horizon, uh-huh. and I have almost completely turned around on that game. Mm. I think that game I'm is actually pretty fantastic. Um, I, what? I, um, yeah, I, I mean it too. I, uh, I've, I've been putting in a ton of hours into to a brand new playthrough of that game. I think what screwed me up me is I knew Elden Ring was coming and I got very very hasty with trying to finish Horizon I got very impatient with it and I think in doing so I became very dismissive of uh what that game brings to the table by no means am I saying that it's a perfect game and I'm I'm just totally 180 on you uh it still does have some problems I actually think that 
I sold the game grossly short. Um, and mm. I am going to walk back almost everything I've said about this game negatively throughout the course of Even the year. Even the story? Um, I want to I finish the second playthrough again before I commit to that. But I will yeah. say that in terms of the gameplay and really but, letting myself take my time with it this time around, I have realized there's a lot of really good content here, especially the side content, which I, I should not have written off the way that I did. It's way better than I gave it credit for. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I uh, yeah, well, now, now this, listen, uh, listen, I'm not saying it should stay on the list. This is me just kind of on a personal level saying, I was wrong about how I felt about the game. I don't think it needs to stay on here, and I'm not. I'm not going to try to convince you that that's that's an up, yeah. that's an uphill battle that I don't really want to fight. So I'll cut it. But personally, y'all, my bad. <laughs> that's just but, me. Um, yeah, I don't think you need to apologize. I think you're no. You're I'm on apologizing island. to uh, the listeners because I went on tangent after tangent, and it, was there yeah. some validity to those arguments? Yes, but I, think I, so. I I don't think that game does anything to improve on the formula. It just adds more. It doesn't really fix traversal. It just adds more to climb. It, yeah, the, I mean the design, the character designs are the same. The story is bananas. Aloy won't shut the hell up. I I, I, eh. I think that the combat is 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 the same it's 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 very limiting uh it's not particularly fun the melee doesn't feel great um and this is a game that i thought should have i wanted a sequel to it's just for me i i i don't think it does anything good it just it adds more to the formula and it looks beautiful and it's probably the best looking game uh, out there i think but i just ultimately for me i just everything it does it just adds more ingredients to already salty ass soup uh and it just it just felt like so much more of the same stuff that i just didn't really like that game at all but team horizon I'm coming to join y'all. <laughs> Let me in. Uh, uh, all right, let's keep moving though. Let's keep moving. So we have, uh, I think, what eight more games left here. All right, um, immortality. I'll cut it. Um, you know, I, I talked about the, the the hang up with kind of the loose way that the game is presented, but I still think that game, especially from a narrative standpoint, is really well done. Uh, but not what I would consider the best mid game of the year for sure. Not the midest. Um, hi. High on life is funny. It's uh, I think that a lot of people have undercut it and wanted to be highbrow about it and be like, "Oh, this game is so immature." Yeah, it is. It's the guy who made Rick and Morty. I think the game works well as a shooter. I think the game works well as it's you know, it, it has its own comic stylings. If you like that, you like it. I think there's a lot of moments in that game that really make me like that made me laugh out loud. Uh, but it's not the best of uh, in terms of the midest. Um, I think Grant, I think Sniper Elite Five can go now. Okay. I just I, I just I really like that game quite a bit. It's it's I don't know if it'll make my personal top ten, but it was it was very fun. Um Alright, we're down to five. We got Dying Light Two, Gran Turismo Seven, Kirby, Mario Rabbids, and Sifu. So there's a game that's not on here that I wonder uh, take your opinion on it. Uh, Callisto Protocol. Well, we already talked about that. It's nominated for a game of the year, so we none of the none of these nominees are. That's what I'm saying, though. Is like, should we? Is that game deservedly more in midest, or should we take it out of the game of the year? For me, no. Okay. Oh yeah, that's all, yeah. yeah. That, that's the question I want to present. Yeah, you're gonna have to talk to me about most of these, actually. I mean, well, well, three yeah, of them: um, Kirby, Mario, and Sifu. I think are gonna have to be your your decision here. 
Yeah, I, I think Sifu, uh, many people love Sifu. I think Sifu is really good. Uh, I think that it's, you know, combat based. I think a lot of the a lot of the level design is really cool, especially at their level. The museum level is just amazing. Uh, uh, but uh, I think that the game, it just, it, 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 it there's a fine line between being Souls-like and being hard, and I just there's moments in the game, and they've added an easy mode to it since then. But from the original, as the original, as my original playthrough of the game, I just don't find Sifu to be specifically uh, good or okay. or 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 bad. But it is mid. It's a perfect. Uh, it's a perfect game for this category. It's just not the best of the mid game mid games. Um, Mario Plus Rabbit, Sparks of Hope. It it, it ran into Marvel Suns, uh, Midnight Suns. It, it's the same kind of game. It's 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 strategy RPG light, uh, but it is still a really good game. Uh, I would keep that over Kirby in the Forgotten Land, which is the game that I like. It's just ultimately it doesn't do a lot. Man, fuck a Kirby. Uh, Get him out of here. Yeah, Get him out of here. Uh, I think that these three games are perfect. Dying Light Two, Stay Human. I I, I like quite a bit. I I think that it is. <clears throat> it did the most it can. With what it had, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, as far as Gran Turismo Seven, I I really loved that game a lot. I thought that the amount of detail that went into that game, from visuals and um, the way that they think about the tiniest details that only a racing enthusiast would would even be able to spot, but the fact that they sweat the small stuff in such a painstaking degree from time of day to the type of pavement you're on and, and the sound of the cars, the handling of every single car in See, that game. It's it's just a really, really special package of uh, a celebration of, of all things racing. It is pretty pretty remarkable. But that game has, is disqualified because it is, in your, it is in the top 10. It is? Did I put it in there? Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> oh, I might have doubled down. Um, I see it more of as a mid-game, to be honest, than I see as a... Oh. Top ten. Let me let me get rid of it from our top ten that we'll be doing later on and requalify it for for midest. Um, all right. Here's the problem with Dying Light Two. Cut content, McGee. Yeah. Um, and I, I always want to judge a game based off the final product and not necessarily what was promised because I know that the scale of games can change throughout development. But this game had trouble development kind of written all over it. Um, and I'll be damned if it didn't kind of show through in the way that a lot of mechanics and systems in that game are very half-baked, particularly with factions and decision-making in that game, which is pretty much a non-factor throughout the entire game. Um, that was pretty much a letdown for me. Uh, I, I do think there was some environmental puzzle-solving elements as well that were really, really bad um, that bogged the, the game down a lot. Again, it's it's here and deserving of recognition, but between the three, as much as I like I, Dying Light, I would probably say this is my pick. I don't know. I think I, I like Dying Light here too for uh, on this. I I. I I agree with everything you're saying, but a lot of those promises were made on a trailer or a rundown from like three years ago, and ultimately the game changed into what it was. I think if those things were implemented into this game, this wouldn't be in the conversation for Bidis Game. It'd probably be in the conversation for top 10 of the year. There's also but bloke, because though, it is like what the it crafting is. and all that <clears throat> shit. Yeah, no, <clears throat> I get that, but I, I, I still like the 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 playing the game the actual playing the game I think the story is cheesy as fuck and I kind of like that about the game as well um 
I don't know. I just it, to me it, it it was a game that I was ready to write off, uh, especially with all those delays. And I think the product in which it was delivered, I think, was decent. I think it was a fun time. I think that I I I, I like a lot of the parkouring. I uh, like uh, the combat. I like some of the characters. Some of the story elements are pretty cool. I like the world building. I like a lot of what they did with the world and, and certain aspects and um and uh, just you know. I, I thought it was good, man. I, I thought the factions were the least interesting part of it. I think a lot of them were just kind of lame. Uh, obviously, you would pick the, the Freedom Fighters over the cops. Uh, but ultimately, I, I think this is like a perfect uh, game for this category. I think Mario Plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope... <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, guys. This is on me. I feel a little bad having it on here because it's probably not a mid game. It's probably a better game than what that is. It's just I, I, uh, my experience with it, and then playing Marvel's Midnight Suns and my capacity for strategy RPGs in a year is very limited. Uh, you know, I, I think that Mario Plus Rabbits could probably go here, and I think it's between Grand Turismo. I think the winner is Grand Turismo Seven, followed okay. by Dying Light Two. Yeah, I'll defer to you on Rabbids. Um, if if you don't think it has a case against these two other games. Um, it's de- it's definitely one of those games that I can see myself playing next year or you're playing and you're like, what are you talking about? It's probably one of the better games of the year, probably. But mm-hmm. it's just, it's a time thing. I, I put a lot of hours into it, but I just ultimately, for me, and I, I think Didn't you that, say that uh, it got e- too easy after a while or something like that? Yeah, or? it did get too easy. Okay. A lot of the motion stuff, like, the, the your ability to move on a bigger scale, I think, cuts out a lot of the strategy of the game to a certain extent. Oh, okay. And so it just kind of made you pushing, 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 pushing to the point where it's like, gotcha. it does get challenging sometimes. And then also it has a lot of the stuff where it, it has an open HUD world. And it, it's weird because you're Mario, you're running around, you can't jump, and it, you want to jump. And it's a lot of that stuff just feels like add-on stuff that, that really doesn't mean anything to the grand mm. uh, uh, scheme of the game itself. But okay. still, I still think that Grand Turismo 7 is probably the midest game of the year. I think it's beautiful to look at. I have not played it myself, <laughs> uh, but everything I've seen about it, it looks like it deserves this more than any yeah, other Yeah, I, I think that the only three things this game has going against it is the soundtrack, the um, that first month there was some microtransaction fuckery that they fixed pretty quickly. And probably the third thing is there's not enough new cars, but they're working on that through free DLC and whatnot. Um, I thought, my understanding was that the 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 the, the, the not how you call it the microtransaction fuckery was pretty was alive and well. It was like fully transitioned to a game as service I, at this point. Well, I mean, the game was always going to be a game as a service. I think that was part of the the, the original plan. Um, but it wasn't like when it first came out. That was no, that was it, was, it was it was it was built. Felt, was it? It, it's built for that. Yeah, it is. It has it has its own in game currency. It has the whole nine in there. Um, I think it's it's probably one of the least offensive cases of of a bit of a rough start as a game as a service. But I mean, that's hmm. probably the only. I mean, if you if you get in, and you play a racing, and you and you play a race, it's it's great. The dual sense support is great. Uh, the 3D audio is very informational uh, with helping you figure out your positioning and whatnot. Um, and I think that the racing itself is the best it's ever been, uh, to be honest. And that's coming from somebody that doesn't even really like sim racers that much. But Gran Turismo Seven definitely impressed me and and felt like it it put everything it had on the table, even if some of it wasn't always the best. Um, so that's why I, I would say winner personally, but yeah, 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 I got, okay. yeah, I'm good with that. All right. Yeah. So the winner of the middest game of the year is Gran Turismo seven with the runner up being dying light to stay human. 
All right, just getting this organized on the docket here. And all right, let's get to the next segment here, next category rather. And that is Booty Juice of the Year. The games, the characters, the mechanics, the companies, the topics are general blunders that deserve an award of complete dishonor. The nominees are Environmental Puzzles, Forspoken, including the hip-hoppity walk writing in the demo, The Sad State of Halo Infinite in 343 Industries, The Mask from God of War Ragnarok, Jim Ryan, Microsoft Summer Games Presentation, Multiverses, NFTs, The Launch of Overwatch 2, The Delays of Starfield in Redfall, Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, Ubisoft being Ubisoft, Xbox Fan Podcasts, and Xbox. <laughs> so that is quite an array of of, of yeah. booty juice, Pablo. <clears throat> what is the least juiciest of the booty juices? I, I think Microsoft Summer Games presentation could go. Yeah. I, I <clears throat> sorry. This man <clears throat> did. My God. My God. <laughs> no, I think you know the presentation left a lot to be desired, but it did it did show Silk Song and had some really cool uh, presentation. It, everything that they showed was twelve months out. I, all that stuff was really uh, interesting enough, but it wasn't a t- total disaster. But okay. it was they were silent for the whole first half, and they come out with this. It wasn't the best presentation, but it, it, there's there's way worse here. Okay, uh, NFTs. I'll cut that. Um, that could have been yeah. a number one if if people had gotten too carried away with it. But I think the backlash on NFTs overall has stopped or stifled most yeah. of those efforts. Although some companies are a little too stubborn and still trying to make it work somehow. Yeah. There hasn't been a major release on a AAA game, AA or single A game that's come out with NFT support. Really, keep in it that way. This year, please. Yeah. Um, all right. I'll throw environmental puzzles out. Um, boy, am yeah, I getting tired that of these? Could be every year. I'm getting sick of that these. Could be every year. I, I think it's getting worse though. I mean, they're just pace killers to me when it comes to a lot of games. And especially when they're interwoven in between games that are very action heavy, like God of War Ragnarok and others, where it's like it, it just screeches the games to complete halts. And I don't mind when games are, are fully built around those. Then I get it. Play tales. Right. But when it's something where now it's action, 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 and now we're gonna we're gonna pump the brakes and make you figure out how to throw this over here that makes that fall, that drops this down and helps you climb up to do another thing. Get those the fuck out of here, man. I'm tired of them. They're just sure. so exhausting after a while. And they make replaying are, games really, really fucking painful. Um, but they can go. Um, um, what are you thinking? Uh, Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. That, that was trash, yeah. but we kind of knew that was going to be it trash. It wasn't trash said. enough was to just... do any irreparable harm to Final Fantasy as a brand, so... No, but it, I mean, but it, it's dangerous. It was a dangerous attempt at doing that because yeah. I mean, Final Fantasy right now is on a roll, and then releasing that uh, roll that off the cliff that was chaos. Horrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, this the hmm. okay. The state of Halo Infinite three four three industries. Boy, they had a bad. little bit of a of of a resurgence with Forge, and um. You know, I think we've they've relegated Infinite already to just kind of being what it is. Um, 
I mean, I don't know. I, maybe that can stay. Uh, it just depends but, on how you look at it. I mean, if you're thinking about this being the tentpole franchise of Microsoft and watching it just completely nosedive and spiral into one of the biggest game and developer shit shows we saw from the year with people mass departing. Bonnie Ross is gone. This lead's gone. That lead's gone. You've got Master Chief twerking on fucking Meg the Stallion on stage one day. And it, it just got really, really yeah. spooky for Halo but for a the while thing. there. Did they bounce back towards the end of the year with Forge coming out and the new season content? Yeah, but... I don't think that what they've done to compensate for the bad has necessarily overshadowed the bad. I think it's still well, an embarrassing year. Yeah, but I, I would say like Bonnie Ross leaving and the, those things, those are actually good things for the franchise as it stands. And it, then also, yeah, sure. they've already they've already announced and they've kind of always kind of admitted the the issues with strips the strip uh with the stream slip engine slipstream yeah and slipstream engine and how they're going to convert to Unreal Five so the, it's a, a lot of understanding here in terms of what's gone wrong here so I mean that 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 has a positive in that they, they they're not completely oblivious to the failures of the franchise itself and we we after the first season of Halo Infinite came out we saw the writings on the wall there in terms of this is something that they can keep up mm-hmm. they can keep up uh so, so there's there's some things here that, that 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 can that seem to be fixable it's just i mean it could probably stay well here's the question i have for you cuz you added Xbox as a booted juice of yeah. the year candidate how much of that nomination is based on other things that we had as other nominees, like the the summer games presentation, Starfield, Redfall delays, yeah. Halo Infinite, three four three. What what exactly is separating the Xbox nomination from the rest of those? Well, I guess I, I guess if you want to be realistic, I think we can just probably add Halo Infinite and the state of Halo Infinite, Starfield and Redfall delays all into the Xbox as one thing. Um, okay. Because I feel so your like argument just like my was, Xbox is a brand with booty juice. Yeah, okay. X, Xbox as a whole this year okay. was not very good. Uh, their Temple franchise is dying on the vine, and their two games in which they thought were going to revitalize their 2022 were not only um, were not only delayed; they were literally uh, delayed out of 2022. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, hey, you're not going to get an argument from me. I think um, this almost rolls into the fan podcast one in in a sense, too, because I think a lot of the narrative around a lot of these Xbox-centric communities is very apologistic and in defense of all things Xbox. And um, part of the problem with Xbox's ears is not enough people calling them out on it, to be honest with you. Um, And if they are, they're usually associated with being fanboys or something like that. And sometimes they are. Um, but I agree that Xbox as a brand is a booty juice of the year contender, and that's going to piss off some people, but it's true. I think they had a lackluster year on Game Pass, a lot of first-party software going through developmental hell, lots of headlines about that, and just 343, Halo, uh, Halo TV show. It just wasn't a strong year for them, man. It was bad, so I get it. Um, yeah. I, I want to touch on the fan podcast thing real quick, because I think it's a cut. But I will say this. There's there's too many podcasts in the Xbox community that are not being critical enough and honest enough about Xbox, and it's really obnoxious. I mean, I won't say who, but we were approached by somebody who was who is well versed and well a part of that 
yeah. that community. Won't name names, but person kind of talked to us about, you know, maybe collaborating someday or, you know, working together. He kind of dug our show, which was nice and flattering and all that. But we eventually kind of walked away from that. And the reason why was was predominantly because we sort of pride ourselves on being a fanboy-free show. And I'm not trying to toot our horn here. I'm just saying that yeah. that's a really hard commodity to find with the Xbox community. I can only count maybe two shows that are Xbox-centric that are really unbiased. I think the rest of them are a clown show, for lack of a better term. And I think it just ruins discourse about the brand. The, here's the thing. I th- also goes under Xbox in terms of 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 why they are the way they are. Xbox has a their outreach to their to to their fans and their Xbox podcast mm-hmm. is very prevalent online. You see Phil Spencer talking directly to these guys and and uh, Adam uh, Greenberg uh, also having these these direct conversations with the Xbox fan uh, podcasts. And so it almost it's 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 a problem for them. It's almost like they can't be uh, they're there's no integrity there because they have this direct connect with the top guys because they're being so blindly loyal to, to the company. Mm. So I think that's a good thing that Xbox is, is there reaching out to their fans, but also it's they're using them as a, as their, as a yeah. tool, as they're weaponizing yeah. them a little bit because they know that these guys are going to be loyal because if they're loyal, you might, yeah, you're going to get a, a Greenberg. You're going to get, yeah. all we had to say is we Spence. watch your show and we love your show. And now that's it. Yeah. Now they're going to yeah. cape for everything. And, and, and you might even get Phil on your show to, yeah. to, to talk. Uh, so it's, it, they, they're weaponizing that mm-hmm. and they're falling right into it. And, and you know, not, not to say that Sony podcasts are also extremely biased. They are, and they don't hold Sony accountable for anything, but these are a little more egregious because, you know, right now everything's going well for Sony in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, them being happy for Sony is one thing, but then seeing Xbox not release a single or anything relevant in terms of a first party game uh, in 2022 and then having all these games be delayed it, it, and then them still singing its praises and then, yeah, you know, crazy. taking these weird games that are coming into Game Pass and talking them up like Naraka Blade Point. I was like, oh, I can't believe this is on consoles. I'm like, I can't believe it is either. Why? It's, it's trash. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, yeah, uh, oh God. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other can of worms. I, okay. Let, All right. Let, I think we got be, about four let, cuts we can make pretty easily here. Ubisoft being Ubisoft yes. can go. Yes. Same uh, old they're story. They're always going to be Ubisoft. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Overwatch Two launch. I would throw out there. Yeah. What do you say, multiverses? So yeah, multiverses. Um, that that's a game that leaked and it looked bad. It came out. It was bad. Uh, I think there was a little bit of hope there that it could have been like a. Uh, a Super Smash Brothers killer, but I that's just not that that was never the case of this game. Your rant um, about that game yeah. on this show was was something of legend. You were almost passed yeah. out from running out of air. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I I I I. I automatically, if you talk about video games professionally, I automatically respect you less if you say multiverses is good. It, that's how bad. Why do you like this? <laughs> that's how bad. Because it's just not good. It's nothing about that game is good. Nothing about what it does is good. It's not as good. It's not even as good as the clones, the Smash clones. This is nothing about it is good. Uh, which almost makes me want to put it back on the list. But I think that um, it's just an expectation that we already had and it just came to fruition. Um, okay. All right. Um, the mask. Yeah. So the mask is the MacGuffin. I was just going to say. I was going to literally yeah. read the definition of MacGuffin. It, it is. Yeah. It is that. It is such a fucking pointless, hollow. It could have been so interesting, man. It could have been so yeah. cool, but they literally threw it away. 
And it's just like, why did you have us do all that work just to throw it it away? It's like the opposite of of A Plague Tale's Dead Ends, right? Where it felt earned, it felt like it served a purpose. That moment of throwing that mask in the void was like the, (laughs) then what the fuck were you making me do all this for? It was such a deflating feeling, dude. And conceptually silly too, because in Norse mythology, Loki doesn't have a mask, but he does in the mask, the Jim Carrey movie. Uh, that mask he wears is Loki's mask. So it even looks like the damn thing. So the, <laughs> were they referencing the fucking the mask from 1994? Oh. And anyway, and then ultimately for nothing, because Odin was like, "This is going to be, this is transformative. This is going to help us understand why we are who we are." And you're like, "Oh shit, we're we're gonna." He lost the eye by peering into the mask without it being complete or being peering into the void without with about the mask on and i'm thinking oh this game is going to end with atreus inside that bitch being enlightening fi- nothing they threw it out you don't need it boy i'm like i need <laughs> when it the kratos turned into kratos why is he country <laughs> country kratos kratos uh, i i it Cletus. was it, it was just another moment in that game where it's like their narrative it, it, it really worked against what the you know, the prestige of what that game yeah. is known for in terms of its writing. So here's the thing. I, honestly, I think this is Jim Ryan and Xbox battling it out for, for a top spot. I think Forspoken is, I, Forspoken shit, is, is, is so cringy, but I think the scale and, and scope of the other two booty juice contenders is just so, there's so much more magnitude there. That Forspoken is just a game that I I, I want to avoid at all costs and never see I or wish, hear about again. But man, I just wish that there was a this this was a top three cat, category. It's top so three, deserves a top three spot because Forspoken, that hip hop walk, that racist ass fucking uh, uh, characterization of a black female Horrible. lead is just it's so short sighted, horrific, and then the writing is bad, Oof. and then the demo it was oh, just it's, it's obnoxious, it's horrible, horrible. But you're right, and this isn't and this isn't really this is just came to be. We're not trying to be even or 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 engage in what about isms or but console I think, warring, yeah. Yeah, I just think this is the. I don't think I think Sony had an exceptional year. I think Xbox had one of the worst years they've ever it's had. It's almost like the I tale of Jim, two opposites. It's like bad representative, yeah. but great, but good year for the console. Bad year for the console. Good representative. Right. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I, I, I would say Xbox wins it out. I, I as an Xbox fan myself, I think you have th- no first party games. I think you have the promise to yeah. first party games being completely uh, cut out. Your Temple game is dying, is dying in front of our very eyes, and the future of these games, of the first party studios, everything we've heard has all been has all been controversy. Uh, Fable having issues with his engine. Uh, the, the everything we've heard about uh, what's going. Going on over at per, while they're making Perfect Dark and in, in, in that Everwild A studio, yeah, Everwild. All this stuff is just Fuck. continually piling More showing on the game a lot of that. and you know, just yeah. missed opportunities, man, all year long. Yeah, and Jim Ryan has just been a contradictory uh, contradiction unto himself. Yes, uh, he just came out saying that Xbox saying that Xbox Game Pass isn't competition, and then quoting lifetime numbers of 
plus and everything to kind of combat it. And it's just like like you can't say you need something and then say they're not competition. Like it's just there's just so much going on. Whether this is Jim Ryan being a dumbass or Japan using Jim Ryan as a shield to shield them from the shit that's coming their way. I think Jim Ryan has done an, a horrible job uh, as the as the leader of a console that should just should do all the talking itself because yeah. it hasn't been. It's Sony PlayStation Five success this year and Sony success this year has been on its own. And Jim Ryan has been trying to <clears> cut <throat> his uh, what slices his nose off despite uh, despite his face for the whole year, and it's been just. It's just been it's horrible. Been, for it's him. been it's been bad. I mean, you know, yeah. look. I think these are the these are the right picks. Um, as far as Xbox goes, y'all have heard me many times throughout the year going off about them. I love Xbox, and and and, and Pablo certainly does even more than I do. Listen, we're not taking any pleasure in this, but Xbox had a fucked up ass year. I mean, they were quiet for the first five months. We finally heard about E3 or, you know, their their presentation. We get the bad news about Starfield and Redfall. E3 falls flat. Game Pass has a lackluster year for the most part. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of surviving off of Pentiment and, and Grounded, which isn't enough to, to really represent a good year. It's one of the worst years they've ever had. I mean, it's great that they have the respect of, of the people in the industry and that they're likable but likable does not justify why people are spending 500 bucks or 300 bucks to get your console and not have shit to do except play a bunch of old games and keep hearing you know the community talk about how awesome is game pass i mean eventually xbox cannot keep having years like this this has got to stop and you're and you're blundering your, your your biggest franchises you're not showing off any games you're giving us nothing to work with yeah jim ryan is a shady dude and he's not a very likable guy i'm not trying to play that down at all but the game gran turismo horizon the last of us and god of war came out this year for playstation any kind of year where you can say that those four games came out is going to be a strong year whether you like those games on a personal level or not if you can say you had that kind of year you have had a good year and Xbox didn't even come close to that. And at the end of the day, we play these, we have these consoles to play their fucking games. And Xbox ain't got no games this year, man. So, yeah. yeah true. The winner of Booty Juice of All the right. Year, Xbox, with the runner up being Jim Ryan. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, we got, we, we got some categories left. We're nearing in three hours we are, here. Yeah. We we're we're going we're gonna to try to burn through these as best we can here. Uh, or we'll just split this up if we have to. Um, all right. The opposite of Booty Juice of the Year is the Anything Goes Award, which is any random Yay. game mechanic, headline, topic, or general positive that deserves an award of its own. The nominees are Bayonetta's Dance Moves from Bayonetta 3, Third Person Mode from Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Activating Combat Mode from Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII Activating Combat Mode. The Parkour and Sound Synchronization from Dying Light 2, Stay Human. Let Me Solo Her from Elden Ring. Zero Build from Fortnite. Tokyo from Ghostwire Tokyo. DualSense Support from Gran Turismo 7. Breaking the Fourth Wall in High on Life. The Music and Combat Synchronization in Metal Hellsinger. Power Washing in Power Wash Simulator. Throwing Thangs in Pokemon Legends Arceus, X-Ray Vision Sniper Kills in Sniper Elite 5, Lockers from Splatoon 3, the Super Mario Brothers movie trailer, 
death scenes from the Callisto Protocol, and the in-game to archive footage transitions in showcase mode from WWE 2K22. Pablo, let's make some cuts. Bayonetta's dance moves can go. Yeah. They're cool, but then once you see him once, you see him over Danced again. Danced all over that horrible ass game. Yeah, I can go. Yep. <clears throat> all over it. Um, Tokyo from Ghostwire Tokyo. I love that uh, that that city. I love the way that it felt so eerie and, and, and um, everybody was gone. But uh, it isn't yeah. enough to last year. I'll cut it. Power washing and power washing litter is super fun, super zen, but it's not gonna it's not one of the mm-hmm. best uh, anything goes things here. Okay. X-ray vision sniper kills, sniper elite five. Love those every year, but it is the same thing mm-hmm. every time that game comes out. Um, activating combat mode from Crisis Core. It's a, it's a, it's a cool little callback that they kept from the PSP game that I thought was nice to, to I like keep. It. Uh, I, for some reason, it's just cool. Um, let's see. Uh, dual sense support for Gran Turismo Seven. Um, it isn't just good rumble. It is good information when you're driving to let you know if you're going too fast or too slow or how well you're turning or, or handling your corners. Uh, it is very helpful in an informational way, but not enough to last on this list. Still cool. And it causes and it causes arthritis. That's if you, that's if you have weak wrists and fingers like somebody I know. Um, <laughs> he types on his keyboard um, and he goes ah every time he types. Jeez. Uh, oh, <laughs> Um, the death scenes in Callisto Protocol, they're cool. They're cool. Yeah. But you die a lot, though, and you see them more than once, and it gets a little old after yeah. a while, too. Um, yeah. Music, combat, synchronization, and Metal House Singer. It's really cool how they put all that together. Um, not so synchronized for some players, though. Uh, my experience was yeah. pretty solid. Some people had a rough time getting it to like sync up right. So um, I did at first, and then it, yeah. I got it, to, but it, it was a, it, I had to play with it for a little yeah. while. Um, um right. let me solo her. I think that's so, such a cool story of the year. And then we had like like best story of the year, like uh, you know, best like headline. I think that would be one of the nice top feel ones. Good but, thing, yeah. Yep. Yeah, but let me solo her it can go. Okay. Um, For those of you who don't know, that was like uh someone you can summon and he would literally fight Melania, the, the hardest boss in the in the game, and he would literally be like, yo, let me solo her. Like, it was his name. Was, it was his name, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was the name was Let Me Solo Her. He had no shirt and just like uh I think a, a, pot. a sword yeah. and he, he a pot on the Yeah. Sword. And he was like, just stand step back and you let me solo her. Like that was and like his whole thing, win, which yeah. was pretty funny. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Throwing things in Pokemon Legends, it really streamlined a lot about the gameplay, made catching Pokemon easy and actually relaxing and enjoyable. Um, I enjoyed it. I had concerns about it, but it actually turned out to be something I thought was a nice quality of life change. But I don't know if it's as cool as some of the other stuff here. Um, no, it, I think it stays. I think it. Really? I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think it's the best part of that game. I think it, it. It. It should fundamentally change the way future Pokemon games are played. I think that going to to uh, Scarlet Violet and and playing the more traditional version of that. I don't think it, it works as well as throwing things. I think that's. I think for me, it's one of the okay. best. Uh, one of the best things that uh, that happened this year in terms of game mechanics. On, All right. So then, what are you um, thinking here? Parkour. Parkour sounds organization and Dying Light to uh, stay human. When that first happened, is 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 amazing. They actually have a program, a system in play uh, for that, uh, and it happens all the time. Yeah. But I mean, after a little while, it's just like oh, it's cool, but it does, it's not the best thing about that. Um, 
the in-game to archive footage transition to showcase is so fucking dope. Like, it's Ray Mysterio's story. He's telling you about uh, the the fight he's having with with uh, Latino Heat, Eddie Guerrero, and it's showing you the actual match. And then it does one move and it snaps into the actual gameplay, which is you playing it. Um, I would like for it to stay, but I don't think it it can it can I don't think it it can actually rival anything else on here. Yeah. I think it's 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 reached his his final. Um, moment here um breaking the fourth wall and high on life um that's hard to do in a way that's funny i think they do it really well especially when the parts that we've seen online what they call a polygon ign all that stuff it knows what it is very well it kind of it, it it's not it, it knows that the game, not game for everybody this comments that it makes throughout the whole thing it, it knows what it's doing but i think ultimately um it, it's it's fine it's 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 a, it's a cool thing that happens in the in the in the in in the game okay third person mode from call of duty um i like it a lot man it was it was a lot of fun um i wouldn't say it transformed things but it definitely was more of the socom type of feeling that i like as a throwback kind of experience um i'm not ready to say goodbye to that I mean, we gotta start saying um, goodbye here we gotta make some goodbyes lockers from splatoon 3 i mean that was a craze that we both had. Um, yeah, I can see that going. Yeah, that could okay. go. I mean, I love that quite a bit. Um, maybe closer to the release date of that game, I probably would have thought, "Oh, this is like the best part of this game." But I, you know, it, it, that died out quick. Uh, uh, <sighs> I think the movie trailer's got to go, and I think the, it's solely for the reason of we got to see how the movie actually pans out. I mean, the trailer was spliced yeah, in a way that's that- cool, but. The ultimate judgment is when we get to see the whole thing. I know, but that that that, but I'm ta- we're talking about like anything goes here, like just like a a topic or just like a, I qual. I mean, it qualifies. I'm not. Dis- I'm not. Dis- yeah, no. But what I'm saying, I think it, we we thought maybe very scared about what this movie could be, and then the trailer comes out, and I think you know it. It just. Uh, I guess it could go, but I, I really... If, if you want to keep it, then something's got to go. we got four left. we got third-person mode, zero build from Fortnite, throwing things in Pokemon and Super Mario Brothers trailer, so... What do you think? I mean... I mean, I'm... I'm I offered to make three different cuts, and you wanted to keep all three of them, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a, what do you think? I, th- I just... Third-person mode is, is, is so good, and I think it really gave a lot of life to, to Modern Warfare 2 for me for quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. Zero Build did the same thing, though. I mean, it, it kind of did the same thing for me. I came I came into Zero Build early, was all about it, then Marco came into it a little later. Yeah. Uh, so, maybe... What do you think? I think between third person mode and zero build mode, I think that's that's the one we have to cut there. Is it that one or the other? I would cut the third person mode from Call of Duty. Okay. I think in the All end, right. as cool as go. it is, it doesn't it doesn't change some of the things I think are wrong with the multiplayer itself. Um, mm-hmm. It just makes it a, a unique more a more unique way to play. Where I think zero build kind of rejuvenated Fortnite for okay. many people, um, including myself, and I didn't think I'd ever come back to it, and it was actually quite fun. All right. I think uh, we can. Okay, I think I like I I like zero build and I like throwing things better than Super Mario Bros. movie trailer. Okay. Um, and mostly because I like the the we didn't even have it on here, but when they released the the little bit of the movie that they showed, like a, a half a minute of it, I thought that was a lot mm. better than the trailer. Anyway, but uh, yeah. Um, All right, winner here. What are we looking at? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think. I can't sit here and pretend like I play Fortnite on a routine basis just because of zero build. I can't. I I think it was a lot of fun and it was cool, but 
um, it's still not Fortnite is still not still for Fortnite. me. It's an obnoxious game okay. in my opinion. It's just slightly less obnoxious with the building. So throwing things, I think, is a cool thing. But not only is it a cool mechanic, it also is something that I think can change the future of Pokemon games. That is and true. it's also that is true. And also uh, a game that we were ragging on all day long, oh, we were, all year we long. Were hard maybe. on that game, uh, and that game comes out, surprises us, and kind of made us excited for Violet and and and, and the next the next iteration of the Pokemon game. Okay. And I don't think we would have been as excited, or me, I don't think I would have been as excited to jump into uh, Scarlet Violet if it wasn't for the success of Pokemon Legends, which is attributed to the throwing mechanic, which is absolutely awesome. Okay, we'll make that the winner then. Uh, So the winner of the 2022 Anything Goes Award is Throwing Things in Pokemon Legends Arceus. um, And the runner-up is Zero Build from Fortnite. Um, All right. Talking about the good things, it's time to get back to the bad things again. Biggest Disappointment. Of 2022, Pablo, these are the anticipated games of the year that should have been good, but left a lot to be desired or just flat out failed miserably. The nominees are Bayonetta 3, Crossfire X, Gotham Knights, Horizon Forbidden West, Lego Star Wars, The Skywalker Saga, Mario Strikers Battle League, Ali Ali World, Overwatch 2, Rainbow Six Extraction, Saints Row, Scorn, Somerville, Soul Hackers 2, Sniper Elite 5, Sonic Frontiers, The Quarry, and Trek to Yomi. I think there's some easy cuts here, Pablo. Yeah. All right. Let's, um, just, let's just make some, some wholesale cuts here. Yeah, I think uh, we can go ahead and cut, uh, well. I mean, you like Sniper <laughs> Elite 5. I think that Yeah, Sniper Elite 5 can could cut. Uh, I think... Um, Anyway, uh, Rainbow Six Extraction, yep. easy. Yep. Um, but, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, no, I was gonna say. I was, no, I wasn't gonna. I was gonna say it's probably gonna stay, but I didn't want to tip yeah. my hand too soon. Um, look, I'm not gonna have the. I'm not gonna have the debate because with you about Horizon Forbidden West because you've not only have you played it, you've actually beaten it. I have not beaten it. I'm not a fan of Zero uh, Zero Dawn. I think Forbidden West is just more of the same. It's a lot more beautiful. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I would make a bigger argument for it as a mid-game, not as specifically as a disappointing mm-hmm. game because it is disappointing to me. But I uh, acknowledge that it does have things that work for it. So Yeah, I think there are other games out. here that just flat out failed miserably in comparison. Yeah. Um, um, we could probably take out Scorn just because... Yep. It, we were interested to see what it was, but ultimately we yeah. knew it wasn't going to be anything right. interesting. Trek to Yomi, uh, in terms of it's, it doesn't really hurt. It it would have been a better if it was great. It doesn't really hurt that it was bad. The Quarry was one of those games that I really had high hopes for, uh, and just it didn't connect with me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, yeah. Crossfire X was one because of Remedy's involvement. I had hopes for, but I never really thought it was going to amount to anything special. Special. Well, yeah. oh, I wasn't anticipating well, I don't know. it. It's the Xbox was talking it up, and then they were talking about the remedy code development stuff. And here's the thing, Marco: I expected the game to be mid, but this game was not mid. This game was it horrific. Was horrific. Yeah, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. So I think it stays here. Um, Ollie Ollie World. Um, I think that I, I like the the Ollie Ollie games, uh, Ollie Ollie One and Two on PSP and PlayStation Vita. I like those quite a bit. And the whole uh, expanding it, making it bigger, better. I don't think it worked for this franchise at all. I thought it was actually actively not fun to play. Um, I would get. Uh, I would Overwatch over- Two. Yeah, yeah. 
Overwatch 2 can go. Yeah. I, it's a game that I that I adore. I, I hated the uh, launch, and I think same. a lot of the weird battle pass stuff is is just not for me, and it makes me very disappointed to see the way that it's transitioned into a games as service free to play thing in in ways I don't like. But yeah. the gameplay formula is still there to some degree, and I think it is still enjoyable. Yeah. Um, Mario Strikers Battle League. Um, that one was disappointing. It was just chaos on a, on a on a football field, and it was not. Fun. And that's like. Um, and when the Mario ge- sports games come out, everybody's like, yo, if Mario Strikers came out, that would be it, the one that everybody yeah. wants to play. And it was and anemic came with out modes and, and stuff, too. But they have supported it post-release with more characters. Whether people care about it or not, it's a different story. But they're, they're still working on it. Whereas I think a lot of these are just kind of dead in the water or just they just suck yeah. beyond repair anyway. I hate, I, I hate Mario Strikers so bad, but I, I you're right. There's games that are worse yeah. on here. Um Okay, Soul Hackers 2, made by Atlas, uh, they, they talked up as is it, it an in-between between SMT and Persona. Mm-hmm. It was going to be a more easy, accessible, and I um, finally got around to it because I've owned it for quite a bit, and I think it is, it is shocking that Atlas made this game. It feels like it's more or less a copy of a persona game without them understanding what makes persona good. Uh, but, uh, yeah. ultimately it's, 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 it's actually pretty decent RPG. I, I mean, I mean a decent like combat system that works pretty cool, but so it's, okay. it has, it has some redeeming qualities. It's just, uh, it's just not great. Gotham Knights. Um, where I've heard people really like the story and I've heard people yeah. think that say that the gameplay isn't that bad. It's not bad. The story is pretty good. The problem is that you can feel that this game was at one time or another supposed to be a game sure. as service, and so there are so, some things that really don't that work against it. Yeah, like traversal things locked behind uh, certain things that you have to uh, not paywalls, but behind attribute points yeah, that you have yeah, to unlock in order right. to glide. And, and so, but yeah, it's not it's not the most egregious thing. These on are here, all even offenders though, now. But who is yeah, yeah is the least offensive? I would. I would cut Lego Star Wars the Skywalker yeah, saga before Gotham Knights because it's just that's a me thing. I'm not a Lego guy. Yeah, me neither. Uh, and and so um, um, all right. Well, that leaves us with Bayonetta three, Crossfire X, Gotham Knights, Saints Row, Somerville, and Sonic Frontiers. Whew, smelly. Okay, Pablo, we both don't like Sonic. What were we really anticipating here? Well, what they promised, um, you know, it was supposed to be an open world Sonic game that was supposed to revitalize the franchise, and it was just more bullshit and more shit. Um, I I think it stays here for a while. I think games like Gotham Knights and Somerville should probably go before it. Okay. Uh, Gotham Knights is is unfortunate. It's not as good as it should have been. Somerville is not made by Play Dead. Uh, it's just made by people from Play it Dead. Should have been left for dead. And yeah, for show. Uh, but now we're now we're reaching. Now here's the thing: Sonic Frontiers is is just bland. I don't like it. I, I think it's 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 actively bad. I think that people who are talking about it in a positive light are insane people. But you have games like Crossfire X that is an actual disaster. Uh, you have games like Saints Row that launched and is still pretty fucking broken. And then you have a game that was probably top three, top five for me in terms of the most anticipated games of the year in Bayonetta 3. So on that alone, I think Sonic Frontiers, uh, Sonic Frontiers can go. I think here the, the one and two, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is Bayonetta 3 and Saints Row. I agree. I, if there was a worst game of the year winner, it would be Crossfire X. But I just didn't yeah. have enough anticipation for that as I did the other two. Um, yeah. 
I actually bought Saints Row recently um, oh. as part of the holiday sales, like 30 bucks. I thought I, c- I can deal with that. Um, it's terrible. It is, yeah. It's categorically terrible. And that's after the patch that fixed 2 million bugs or whatever they said it was. It's just fundamentally not, not right. Uh, it controls like I'm in mud. It feels awful. It looks awful to me. Um, I think mm. this is the last we'll see of Saints Row. I think that was a I- series-killing sequel or reboot i i like some of it uh my problem is is that it just everything that and i'm taking the bugs out of it it just felt old it did it did yeah and then as a yeah and then in terms of me anticipating it you know i'm not the biggest saints row fan but this looked promising i thought it was going to be good Mm -hmm. uh and unfortunately uh you know i want a chaotic open world fun and it's just chaos based on a whole bunch of different factors that has nothing to do with the game itself but is it but i do think here it's not though beta three is a game that when i look back at my most anticipated list i had it at three at one point um beta two is probably one of the most it's one of the best action games of all time uh and being followed up by beta three not not only is Bayonetta 3 horrible to look at, it, I think that introducing that new character was bad. I think that the game is not ambitious enough. I think it is... Well, let me rephrase that. It's ambitious, but it's not executing it correctly. Yeah. And I think the ambition is more a visual flair. Nothing about the story is interesting to me. Uh, it just felt. It just felt like... It just felt bad all around it's astonishing how how bad of a game it is and the fact that so many people got so you know lost and in love with the chaos that they didn't really stop and think about the fact that the game controls and plays and looks like absolute shit it's astonishing i mean bayonetta 2 was such a great game that bayonetta 3 should have been a walk in the park because all they really had to do was just do more of the same and instead they they reached for a level of grandeur and bombast that a, the Switch can't handle, B, they can't handle, and C, just didn't fit in with anything that made Bayonetta great over its history. Um, everything about that game was just a mess. It, 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 there was no concept or idea that I felt was properly and well fleshed out. The new characters, the side quest stuff you do with them was all poorly done, all poorly handled. Uh, and, and the entire package as a whole to me was a game that was really just built around trying to stun you with everything exploding and big monstrous things all over the place. And it didn't really have any brains to it. And it's a shame because Bayonetta as a character is one that I really like a lot. And I wanted yeah. to see this game be great. And I thought it was a home run, but it ain't. It ain't. So unfortunately, it's 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 got to take number one here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I agree. Uh, so that's... I th- Booty juice of the year. No, not booty juice of the year. Well, it is technically. But biggest disappointment of the <laughs> year is Bayonetta 3, with the runner-up being Saints Row. Congratulations for being Ayeth. All right. Last category of the day. Last one. We got biggest surprise of the year. Games that fell under the radar or faced skepticism that actually overachieved or turned out better than expected. The nominees are As Dusk Falls, Card Shark. Ghostwire Tokyo, High on Life, Marvel Snap, Marvel's Midnight Suns, Metal Hellsinger, Neon White, Pentiment, Return to Monkey Island, Sifu, Signalis, Shadow Warrior 3, Shovel Knight Dig, Vampire Survivors, and WWE 2K22. Yeah. Let's get aggressive here. I think, what do you uh, think? 
WWE 2K22 can go. I think it was a surprise, sure, but I mean, it was surprising that it was a lot better than 2020, but just as good as the ones from before, yeah. which is not that much better. I'm with you. Um, I'm with you. Signalis, I'll, I'll cut Signalis real quick. Okay. Solid game, not a surprise. I didn't know it was even a thing until it came out. Yeah, same same reasons for Card Shark. Uh, I just I, it's a game that I played the demo. I was like, holy shit, surprised by the demo, but not a game that I had on my radar yeah. in any shape, way, or form. And it's form. A, I mean, it, uh, technically Marco, that's part of the criteria games that fell under the radar, but it just I don't know if those really yeah. even even then they still don't really feel like they qualify. For yeah, me. Marco, let me ask you something here. I know we're subtracting, but mm-hmm. were were you not surprised by how good Stray was? No, no. I actually, I was on this show making bold proclamations that was going to be a Dark Horse game. Yeah, but I mean, but you were, but I mean, that's based on what you saw. But when you actually played the game and it was as good as you thought it yes. would be, that didn't surprise you? I yeah, mean, but I didn't. I if the if the categories revolved around under the radar games that fa- or face skepticism, I wasn't skeptical of the game and it was on my radar. So okay. I, I can't right. okay. technically fair, fair. say that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Return to Monkey Island. I that for those same reasons I'm taking it off the list because okay. it's a game that I had on my radar and I had no kind of skepticism towards it. Um, I'm just surprised by how the, the story went towards mm-hmm. the end. Uh, but in terms of the game being good, I always kind of felt that it would have been good. Okay. Um, Sifu can go. Um, I, I I think that game was really cool, um, but ultimately, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's not going to compete with the other games on here in terms of the biggest surprise. Yeah, I don't think so either. Metal Hellsinger could probably go as well. Interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Didn't think anything of it. Fell under my radar. Played it. Actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. Good time. But not enough here. Shadow Warrior 3 is the game that uh, we, we thought was yeah. just going to be bad to play. Uh, and it just actually not. It's actually kind of yeah. fun. But, um, again, doesn't hold up. Um, um, As Dusk Falls. Yeah, I was going to say that one. Well, I mean, in a way it is, but it also is a little flat on the second half of the game, like we said, so yeah, it turned out better than I expected, but maybe not as good as other games on this list, I think. That's right. I'd also say Ghostwire Tokyo, I love that game to pieces, I absolutely do, and hmm. I thought that rollout was I, god-awful. I had so much skepticism about it, but I love it. Well, leave it on here, because I, I your Ghostwire Tokyo is my Marvel's Midnight Sun, so I mean, just because... Yeah, but we got Marvel Snap in here too, and that's almost well, I, okay. That's a lot. Here's my thing. Here's my thing with Marvel Snap. Marvel Snap is not a game that was on my radar or kind of faced any kind of skepticism. Uh, it released, and as soon as it released, it was lauded as a great uh, uh, card game, a great uh, mobile game, and it is all those things, but it is still just a card game. It's still just a mobile game. Um, it's going to be in my top 10 games of the year. Uh, it is surprising for me, but the game that that I'm going to fight for, or at least you know, have a little, one more staying power on the list, would be Midnight Suns, because I thought that game was going to be terrible. I thought the game was just going to be just flat, flat out, just fall on his face, and it's none of those things. Okay. Um, and I think I had to make a sacrifice here, so I, I'm going to go Marvel Snap. Okay. All right. Well then. Okay. So Vampire Survivors. This game's been the darling of a lot of Game of the Year conversations, and I think the game is very fun and very addicting in its own way. I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I play it religiously, though. I just don't. Um, I think it's very cool. I love the concept. I love the hook. It's, it is very good. Um, and I'm glad that it's available on consoles now. It's, everyone should try it for sure, and phones. 
it's not know, the, it's just not enough of a surprise for me to to say it's a top two thing. It is for me. Wow, God, I don't know what we're gonna do then. Um, okay, Shovel Knight did can go. Okay. I thought that was like out of nowhere, and it's really cool. It's also on uh, your phone, and it's, it, but it, it, it's really good. Um, <clears throat> Pentiment is a game like Stray, where I thought it was always going to be good. It's a game that always spoke uh, to me, uh, you know, especially when it was compared to uh, Disco Elysium, which is a game I, I adore. So I, 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 w- I wasn't necessarily surprised that it was good for, for me. I thought it was uh, my surprise. More came from the from its visual uh, kind of fidelity and how it stuck to those guns so uh, vigorously. But in terms of it being a good game, I I, I expected it to be a good the game. pedigree. Yeah, yeah, the pedigree. <clears throat> High on life. Um, that can go. I mean, that game had piece of shit written all over it, and it's not. Uh, but it is still. It's still a game by the guy who made Rich. Yeah, Ward. thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. All right, Neon White. I think this is a good, a good drop-off point. It's surprising how good that game is. I'm not saying it's not, or I just think that we're gonna probably plant our flag down for other games more than this one, personally. Yeah, I have I I would love Neon White to be on the list, but I have no five for yeah. it. Like, not here anyway. All right. I I'm willing. Uh, maybe I'm just being a little too you know, willing to compromise, but I really would no, love no. to see Ghostwire at least be runner up. Okay. I, I, I'm not, <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I think it's only two of us. I think we have to be fair. Yeah. Um, I think I'm really into Marvel's Midnight Suns. I think you're really into Ghostwire Tokyo. I think Vampire Survivors is probably just the one that's going to have to get cut here. Yeah. I mean, for um, me, just to explain Ghostwire a bit, I thought the rollout for this game was atrocious. I thought it, it yeah. the development was seemed like it was in, in a bad space. It came back and resurfaced in this way where it was like, what the fuck even is this? And um, it, it seemed on paper to be just a typical open world kind of game where you just run around and do a bunch of shit on a map. And, and to an extent it is, but there's just something that's oddly like incredible about it for me uh in a way that i i I, i've i've kept it installed in my console all year i come back to it routinely and finish side quests for it all the time and i and i won't lie i still have it on my console as well because the way you talk about it and my experience with the game not being the worst one yeah i almost feel like i want to go back here's the thing um for the top 10 it is it is like a Far Cry 6 kind of game where it is it is that boilerplate kind of open world thing. But for some reason, this time around, even though it does all the same conventional shit, for some reason, it just works with this one in a way that's yeah. way better. So I think it's a smaller scale and it, and it, it respects your time yeah. more than other games. Yeah, it's only like 12 um, hours me, long, me, 13 hours long. Yeah. Let me talk Marvel's Midnight Suns a little bit. I don't. We talked about it throughout the yeah. show, so there's not much that I, I had left to say. Yeah. But other than the fact that this was a Marvel property... Uh, this was after the on the heels of Gardens of the Galaxy uh, being high on that, and then Firaxis making this, and then the game being delayed, and people thought it being delayed to 2023, but there's a surprise coming out in December, and then they showed gameplay, and that game does not show well in gameplay at all. Uh, it's card-based system on top of that, so 
feels like a lot of things going for it. And then halfway through the year, actually towards the end of the year, you find out there's also an element to it that uh, sports 55,000 lines of dialogue throughout and has branching paths. And, 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 and it's so much to it that you think, man, there's no way this game's going to come together in a way that's going to work. And boy, it does. It, it comes together so beautifully. I think the combat is great. I think the Abby stuff tends to not be as good as the combat, but there are moments in moments that I'm uh, that I'm that I've gone through just recently that have blown me away completely. It's a big speech you make based on certain characters and certain decisions you've made throughout the game. It, it, it feels a lot like. Um, uh, like those those RPGs, the story based RPGs where you make that decisions, uh, and and it also combines that perfectly with the combat of strategy based RPGs. So it's it's great, has that Mass Effect feeling, uh, as well as you know some of the best uh, uh strategy RPG stuff like the likes of of Fire Emblem and uh, so and Into the Breach, which I mm-hmm. loved and. This is doing all those things for me all in one game. Plus, it's Marvel, which I love and has these characters that are beloved and their own version of them. It's it's fire in all cylinders, man. Marvel Midnight Suns is, is, is fantastic. A game that I wholly, wholeheartedly do not recommend for Marco because <laughs> he's just not a Marvel guy. And a lot of the nuance here is in the Marvelness of it also. Um, um, okay. I'm comfortable making that number one if you think there's. Um if it's the epitome of falling under the radar and facing skepticism, then I could definitely see it being your I, winner here. Yeah, I think so too. I think Ghostwire Tokyo is also that, but you know, I mean, I, I think Ghostwire Tokyo is taking a less of a chance as a game. Uh, and Marvel Midnight Suns is, is, is an amalgamation of a whole bunch of different things. Uh, and it comes together so beautifully that I think it works great. All right. Well, then, then in that case, the biggest surprise of 2022 is Marvel's Midnight Suns with the runner up being Ghostwire Tokyo. Pablo, we did it. We got through 11 out of the 12 uh, categories this year. Uh, next week's episode will be our deliberations for the top 10 games of the year. Uh, that we will decide and rank uh, as a duo um, next time around. That's going to be the big main event here. But just to summarize our award winners before we go, starting with best visuals and art style, we have Horizon Forbidden West taking the winner spot, followed up by the runner-up Elden Ring. Best sound goes to God of War Ragnarok, with the runner-up being the Callisto Protocol. Best multiplayer goes to Splatoon 3, with the runner-up being Rainbow Six Extraction. Best moment or sequence goes to Mio's death and rebirth from Xenoblade Chronicles 3, with the runner-up being the mother's death and Hugo's rage from A Plague Tale Requiem. Character of the year goes out to Amicia from A Plague Tale Requiem, followed up by the runner-up Kratos from God of War Ragnarok. Best story is A Plague Tale Requiem with the runner-up Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Midest Game of the Year goes to Gran Turismo 7 with the runner-up being Dying Light 2 Stay Human. Booty Juice of the Year goes to Xbox with the runner-up being Jim Ryan. The Anything Goes Award goes to Throwing Thangs in Pokemon Legends Arceus followed up by Zero Build Mode from Fortnite. Biggest disappointment goes to Bayonetta 3, with the runner-up being Saints Row. And last but not least, biggest surprise, Marvel's Midnight Suns, followed up by Ghostwire Tokyo at runner-up. 
I love that. Woo. I think we did good, man. I'm, I'm feeling good about all our picks here. I think we got to the, the right the right choices here. Of course, this time next year, we'll probably regret all this shit like we did last time around. But hey, I think we did all right. I went right back to the other one. I, I stand by a lot of those things. Even the Anything Goes, which was the was the, the, the Halo. Um, oh, yeah. That's right. The grappling hook. The grappling hook. I still think uh, that's the best choice. part of that game. Solid choice. Yeah. I, I yeah. still don't have a problem with that one, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that is going to do it for part one of the Cooldown mm-hmm. Time Game of the Year Awards. Ladies and gentlemen, please be sure to join us next week for part two as we decide Cooldown Time's top 10 games of 2022. In the meantime, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make me feel good. One, two, three, four. I'm a boot, 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 a